Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, would you love to hear us give the same treatment to Futurama? Who would do a thing like that? Who could do a thing like that? Then you'll be delighted to know we're doing just that for Futurama's entire first season. Hey, when you look this good, you don't have to know anything. And it'll only be available for people who donate at the $5 level to the Talking Simpsons Patreon. Oh god, no! And along with 13 episodes of Talking Futurama, you'll get all 23 episodes of Talking Critic, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, monthly community podcasts, interviews with Simpsons writers, and so much more! Shut up and take my money! Remember, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to get your hands on podcasts from the world of tomorrow! I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons where the answer is fries. I am your host, skin failure patient Bob Mackey, and this is a chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and that's delightfully devilish, Bob. <laughs> and who is on the line with us today? Hey, it's Connor Lestoka, and I have gum and mayonnaise in my hair. Oh, oh disgusting. <laughs> and today's uh, episode is 22 short films about Springfield. Sometimes I wonder about all the people in this town. Do you think anything interesting ever happens to them? I mean, there must be thousands of great stories out there. And today's episode aired on April 14th, 1996, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, a tornado strikes the Ozarks, killing seven and wounding 30. Abigail Breslin is born, and it hits theaters, but no one watches Kids in the Hall Brain Candy. Boo. I mean, boo to no one watching it. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Connor, do you have any strong feelings about Brain Candy? You seem sad that no one watched it. I Well, I don't, but I, you know, it was a shameful moment in my history. We did a couple uh, live shows at the SF Sketch Fest, and the Kids in the Hall were occasional guests on those. And I never had cable growing up, so I didn't really uh, have any, any baseline of who they were or what I should like about them. And I always felt bad because people would get excited when I told them I met them. They are fantastic. I think we talked a lot about Kids in the Hall on this podcast. But, <laughs> Quite a lot. Uh, we might have even talked about this. Henry and I and a few other friends saw them do Brain Candy Live. At, yeah. yeah, and it was amazing. We thought it would just be a bunch of middle-aged men sitting around a table reading, but they were performing. They were like getting—I mean, they were performers, so duh. But man, they were bringing it, and God, it was great to see them do it all live in front of us. Yeah, and Rift Tracks alum Janet Varney ran it. Uh, I think she she brought it together, and it was great. She read the script directions and several parts that they they have like three stock actors on stage to play parts that were not played by the five kids, but then the five kids did the rest. And I would have been perfectly fine if they sat down and just read lines. Like, that's fine. Just do that. But they got up. They did physical stuff. They jumped up and down. Like, they worked. And they based, sang. And based on the Q&A, they'll never do that again because it's that unpopular. They <laughs> yeah. can only fill one room once. So. Well, cold Comedy Central shows didn't have great track records with making themselves into movies in the 90s, I guess. Uh, yeah, you Strangers with Candy, yeah, that movie's not good. Well, and around the same time this movie came out was the MST3 film too yeah. which also nobody watched which i couldn't see it until it was out on vhs it was nowhere i would have gone to a theater same with brain candy i yeah couldn't. i was scouring my newspaper every week for both movies and they never appeared in my crappy town so uh <laughs> uh nuts to you gramercy or whoever but so our special guest connor we're big fans of you but in case some of our listeners don't know who you are can you explain exactly who you are well yeah i am a uh, my lot in life is that i'm a senior writer producer for rifttracks.com and uh, Rift Tracks is, uh, for those of you who don't know, the it's essentially an extension of Mystery Science Theater 
Falls and we watch uh, new, old, bad, good movies and sort of uh, crack jokes throughout them with uh, Mike, uh, Kevin and Bill, who played Mike, Tom and Crow on Mystery Science Theater. And I think I probably spent uh, thousands of dollars on Rift Tracks (laughs) over the last decade. So that is my uh, glowing endorsement. Thank you so much. I bet a, you know, a buck or two of that might have trickled my way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm also a big fan of Rift Tracks. I think the most recent one I watched was one that's on Prime now. And it was partially just because I've never seen the film. And as a kung fu film fan, I wanted to see the first American film Jean-Claude Van Damme was in. Oh, wow. But then when I watched it, I was like, this is patently ridiculous. This film. <laughs> it was uh, no, no retreat, no surrender. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he, I think it was one of those things where they, you know, he became famous later. And so then they put him on the cover of the DVD and played up his role in the movie. But he was sort of like looking menacing in the background for most it, of those scenes. It's, it's, yeah, it's hilarious that they make, they do a Karate Kid ripoff, but hire a far more charismatic actor to play the villain <laughs> than the milquetoast nobody in in this ripoff. So, so we, are, we do live shows. We're doing an upcoming live show in June of Space Mutiny, the beloved MST oh, uh, that's good. classic, which should be fun. I've, I've never seen that all the way through, so. I'm looking forward to getting a crack Whoa. at that. Um, and we're doing Crawl later in the summer. Oh, awesome. I, so I have to give you guys credit. You you found on Rift Tracks the worst movie done by any of the riffing groups. It's worse than anything done on MST3K or Cinematic oh, Titanic. What are you say? Uh, Roller Gator. And oh, God, I, yeah. <laughs> I do not recommend it unless you've seen 20 years worth of this stuff because it, it is unbearable. Connor, can you please describe what Roller Gator is? And like, it is literally, it, it's it's one of those, ba- it, it, it shouldn't even be called a movie. Well, Roller Gator is one of the, one of the few ones that like, make Make my uh, make my colleagues physically angry. Like it's <laughs> it's uh, it has a puppet of this uh, a, you know cutesy looking alligator, and he he's sort of sort of like what Barney looks like when he's not big. Barney the dinosaur, and a girl finds him, and then ninjas are after him, and the gator raps and does impressions. Joe Estevez is also a carnival owner who's probably <laughs> drinking the whole time, and for some reason they got a guy to score heavy air quotes on score the movie by just picking up a acoustic guitar and just sort of emphatically strumming it literally throughout the entire movie it's it's bizarre it's unbearable and the entire movie is basically stolen shots at a carnival using like the camcorder your uncle had in 1992 it is just um, it's amazing it's like again i don't recommend it but i kind of do but you have to see it it's it's so funny to see what the bottom of the barrel is for joe estevez who is only in the worst things like unless he gets hired as a joke by tim heidecker that's really the only things joe estevez does so Connor, what's your personal history with The Simpsons? I'm curious. Oh man, I was I was thinking about this as I was gearing up to this. I have a, a long history. It's still one of my favorite. I mean, it's my favorite TV show, and I love uh, I love the way that Twitter use for some people has pretty much just devolved into posting Simpsons captioned pictures or posting a picture and then posting a Simpson screenshot next to it to make fun of it. That's my favorite thing to do online. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm not sure how old you guys are. I was born in 1981. And so I, uh, I was in third grade pretty much when the Simpsons hit. So I was probably Bart's age. And it was just pandemonium. We did a, uh, a mock city in our third grade classroom where, you know, you could bring in crafts and sell them for fake currency and stuff like that. Mm. And all the boys in class voted to make the currency named Bart's. <laughs> so, <laughs> So you would be like, oh, that cost three Barts for that Rice Krispie treat. And then they had, you know, a picture of Bart on the one and Homer Simpson on the five. And I'm Facebook friends with my third grade teacher, and she does not have any of those currencies left over, which is a big disappointment. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I would, uh, you know, I'd VHS tape them and keep a look in the TV, uh, the Washington Post TV thing to see which one was coming up. So I would know if I didn't have one. I don't really remember sort of the, the middle years, but I remember in, in high school, you know, having those sort of religiously cataloged and coming in and talking about the newer ones. Um, yeah. So I would, the Washington area had them on twice a day before an hour of Seinfeld. So you could always watch those and still kept watching them throughout college, even though they were, you know, not as enjoyable. And you know, even now I will, I will watch, uh, that's, that's what my, uh, either cold day or hungover day will involve <laughs> is sitting down and watching the Simpsons reruns. So is there a reason why you chose this episode in particular to do with us? Oh, I mean, this one just has had so much uh, recent press, so to speak, just with the resurgence of the of the steamed hams meme. Yes. And I wanted to uh, I wanted to you know delve into that and I wanted to see what else it had to offer just because that's I mean, that's by far the most memorable thing about it. But it does have a lot of more great stuff and a lot more, you know, quotable and memorable and memeable stuff in it. So it's also just weird. You know, they made this is a very weird, unique episode from the uh, still from the show's golden era. Yeah, it's so great and weird, and uh, we'll get to it, but it is also very weird to see the steamed hand scene untreated and it's in, in its original <laughs> right. context. It's just like, I'm waiting for there to be something more to it, but it's like, no, this is the original, Bob. What is Zelda going to make? A, what is Link going to start rolling and making a grunt or something? I completely forgot the scenes that came before it or after it. So when I saw them in context again, I was like, oh, right, that's what leads into this. Or that's what <laughs> leads out of it. And uh, so this this episode was uh, inspired, I guess, because of the Ned Flanders short at the end of season four's The Front, right? That's right. Oh. Uh, everybody loves Ned Flanders. Yeah, they, they should have put that on so many more episodes and it's it was only there because the front was painfully short they had to stretch so much in it yeah go back to that episode the front is kind of a mess actually for a season four episode we didn't like it that much <laughs> a lot of wasted opportunities like homer going back to get his ged that's an episode and they just kind of like it's like three eh, scenes. yeah three scenes a lot of wasted stuff and so many dream sequences uh if you took it all out if you took out the dream sequences and the flanders thing you're like this is a 12 minute episode but they they were notoriously stretched in it by the end of season oh, yeah. four i mean algae and mike reese were creating the critic at the same time so i get it and but, everyone was leaving but the ned flanders scene is such a funny scene and then when you think about it, like why didn't they do more of those like those but they're always so pressed for time in regular episodes that when would they have time to put a little sketch at the end you know mm -hmm. yeah i guess if they were doing them in a mo you know in this era they could have put those on as dvd extras or something like that but oh, yeah that a, or ways off webisode but the, the title of this episode was inspired by the uh, 1993 Canadian film 32 Short Films About Glenn Gould. And when we interviewed Mike Scully, who was the showrunner after uh, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, he said they were trying to de harvardify the show a bit. And this is one of the most Harvardy. like they named an episode after a Canadian film about a pianist. I mean, yeah, who so, got this in 1996? Sorry, Henry. Something no one has heard of. And it is not mainstream at all. And proudly so. Proudly not mainstream. Yes. And they mentioned it one. They mentioned Glenn Gould one other time on The Simpsons, as far as I know, when Homer yeah. gets smart, I think, when he's, uh, he's, I think he's doing Rubik's Cubes and the NPR announcer makes a, a, a joke about the fact that something is good as Gould. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's very NPR. That's after the crayon is removed from his brain, as, <laughs> as we all remember. I and, think it was nominated for an Oscar. I think, you know, I I think I, I got the joke when this came out because it, you know, yeah, I think that was, was, did show up mm. on a broadcast. So I was like, oh, that's what, that thing that I've only heard of once is what this is referring to. It's, it was way off my radar. I, I'm sure it's good. I, I have no experience with that movie mm -hmm. or that documentary, I guess, or whatever. Though, 
as a dorko who counted everything i counted it even on first viewing and it's more but even now i'm still like it's not 22 shorts yeah it is more like 19 i i would guess 22 obviously 22 sounds more similar to 32 and also 22 minutes is the standard length for episodes then without commercials so i get it but still it's not technically correct you're forgetting the the scenes they cut which they talk about on the commentary mm, uh there yes. was a scene with crusty i believe and one other maybe a few Marge, other scenes Marge Marge, had a fantasy yeah. sequence too so all right bye yes yeah, so uh, more production stuff i have to say that uh jim reardon who would become the supervising director in seasons nine through 12 i believe mm-hmm. uh man he does an amazing job on this episode it is so beautiful and he has so much to do on this episode so many different locations and characters like everyone makes an appearance in this episode mm. and it's every style of story is well like he makes it he makes it all work beautifully yeah his team did and everybody wrote on this episode but greg daniels is the one who uh, basically supervised it so he was like a, a showrunner for an episode <laughs> which i guess would pay off because he'd later be showrunner of king of the hill I mean, and, almost immediately yeah. after this episode aired he's showrunner of king that's of right hill. He left, and for season seven and eight, uh, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein had a roadmap. Like in every season, we do we want to do a Sideshow Bob episode, an Itchy and Scratchy episode, and a format breaking episode. And this is season sevens, and season season eights would be the spinoff showcase. I like mm-hmm. this one a lot more in terms of format breaking. Spinoff showcase is fun, but it's more directed at Gen X fandom, yeah. I think. Than and this is this is more of a great a wider range. Yeah, I'm just looking at the. Uh, I have the episode up on a video file, and the uh, the written by credit on Homer and Sanjay is talking to a who looks like when you take a uh, Frankiac image and try to put way too much text on one <laughs> image, and it goes up to like the by the top third of the screen. It looks like the Vietnam Memorial for a minute on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> All these names. Uh, and also working on this episode, but I don't, who knows how far it got. But they have said internally this made them think they could do a Springfield spinoff that would be a show that would work just like this of just a series of vignettes or maybe a whole episode just all about Springfield with no real connection to the Simpsons family as a core but their reason Matt Grading said the reasoning was that the staff seems stretched too thin to do 22 episodes already oh yeah so to then do another show at the same quality level just did he didn't feel confident in that and the one thing i wanted to say before we start i know we've been talking for a long time but the thing i paid attention to this time upon watching and i've seen this like 50 times is the transitions and i have Mm -hmm. to feel like they must have been inspired by mr show in some way because they are very mr show style transitions you know i had that thought but i you know mr show i think was just getting started in 96 but it was 94 oh was it okay well i i just thought it was monty python in general because Uh, mr show got it it took inspiration from monty python as well of the interconnected sketches but yeah, yeah they were really cool just watching him again today just i mean sometimes they make sense another time it's just uh <laughs> you know a thing floating down the sewer and where it ends up i, I thought of mr show because on the commentaries for mr show they make fun of how bad some of the transitions are it's like hey look it's a newspaper headline about the next sketch <laughs> yeah. which is exactly what happens in this episode a few times my favorite of them complaining about their mr show on mr show commentaries is that the last transition ever on the show is a two tombstone to a fake tombstone on someone's desk that says i'm dead unless i don't get my morning coffee (laughs) and they just go like this is so terrible why do we even do this it's hard to do but uh so let's get started with the episode 
After that opening line from Bart and Milhouse, they're standing over the overpass, and you even get the title on screen, which is quite rare in the show, and I think that's the it's the show telling viewers, this is a different episode, so, you know, get ready for it, guys. Don't complain. I think the last time it happened that was not a Halloween episode was Bart Get Hits by a Car. Yes. Bart Gets Hit yes, by a Car. Yes, that I remember. Which that is a joke in of itself. It's like, Bart Gets Hit by a Car, and then he's immediately hit by a car. Yeah. Like that, that's the joke. <laughs> And yeah, I love their discussion about whether any, any anything interesting ever happened to the people in this town. Just I guess it's probably a, you know, sort of winking at the camera type of thing. But mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, sure, I guess things do happen. A baby <laughs> shot the power plant owner and we hired a bunch of major league ringers for our softball <laughs> team. And Millhouse, you were literally in a major Hollywood picture. <laughs> that was filmed here. And also a bunch of stuff explodes quite often here. <laughs> and I, I also, the, it starts off with something that happens a ton in this episode which it is a very self-referential episode for the simpsons starting just with them spinning on the overpass which is establishes bart's favorite pastime in bart's inner child all right yeah Mm i forgot about Mm -hmm. that oh there's a lot of these can just be followed back to a previous joke like this is a refinement of previous jokes too and uh, i also love that millhouse is just like he he knows you need sociopathy to spit on those cars if he thinks too much about the people in him it makes it harder and Mustard is better than spit. <laughs> yes, yeah. Then we 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 start off with Apu here, which it's nice to see the return of Sanjay. And I guess this is a little different in the post problem with Apu Apu world to listen to it. But I see the joke. The joke is that Apu is a workaholic, and it's not really. The, I don't feel the joke so much. Is what what a strange culture India is. But still, uh, let, let's play the first clip. I wish you'd come to my party, Apu. You could use some merriment. Listen, serving the customer is merriment enough for me. Thank you. Come again. You see? <laughs> Most enjoyable. Oh, I guarantee it. Wing ding of Titanic proportions. You will be there or can't be B-square. Well, I don't like to leave this door, but... For the next five minutes, I'm going to party like it's on sale for nineteen ninety nine. It's a cute joke. Mm-hmm. And the joke is he's such a workaholic, he takes a five-minute break every year. That's the <laughs> only thing Apu does. It's really only a four-minute break. I mean, yeah. I, I like this uh, scene because it's, it's fun to see Apu having fun, mm-hmm. but also how fast he has to do everything in the yes, scene. It's very yeah. it's very well-paced. That is fun, and he also, like, you get to see that there's more than two Indian people that live in Springfield. That's, That's also interesting. When I, we watched it recently, I think it was right the day before the uh, the, the show addressed the Apu thing, so it sort of cast it in a different light with that that sort of tone deaf response they had because it does have more jokes about the uh, you know in my next life you're cooking and right. you're only arranged to be married type of thing. So I was like, well, there you know there it was a bit more jarring than I thought probably when I would have seen it for the first time. But um, yeah, I do think it's funny. I don't think that it doesn't offend me, but it does make the uh, the points that other people are making um, seem seem more relevant. Yeah, yeah, if you were looking for a scene to have problematic Apu content, you could just pick this one minute out and you're just like well here's a bunch of jokes right together because of how sped up this scene is supposed to be just yeah. in writing right? i mean in light and of- like bob talked pointed out online when i made that point like there's not sometimes you know homer is there to be like wow like when they were handing out gods you must have been out taking a whiz so the joke is that homer's an idiot but there's nothing really like that on this scene 
um, to cast it through a different um, idiot's eyes. Right, right. I mean, there are jokes like this culture is different and therefore funny. <laughs> they're wearing different <laughs> clothes than me. But I do like uh, Apu dancing is great. And that scene where they're all falling into the pool is w- super well done. Is that a reference to something? Because mm. I have seen that before and I don't know where. It feels just like a stock thing that happens in house party movies or any yeah. any film at the party. It's wonderful life, you know, when they're dancing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. But animating like 20 people falling into a pool in a chain uh, <laughs> on TV animation is just amazing. Like Jim Reardon did it. And I also uh, love who's post-coital uh, uh, clothes on backwards. Yeah. <laughs> that's just what I was about to say too. The, just the look of the like the one sleeve just like flopping off of him the whole time. For for the rest of the time you see Apu is is <laughs> is quite funny. And I like the, the tofu dogs thing where he says it will plump in my stomach. I, I guess that is a reference to the ballpark Franks Oh yeah, uh, tagline of they plump when you cook them, yes. which which I've only ever heard used in a sexual innuendo context. <laughs> oh, so uh, yes, we get the the tail end of the party here. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I love this song. Let us boogie. I am a freakazoid. Come on and wipe me up. I am hot. Let us get out of here. Don't worry. I'll tell everybody you are untouchable. <laughs> Oh, Sanjay, never have I partied so hearty. Same time next year, yeah? Yes. Made it, and with one minute to spare. You took four minutes of my life, and I want them back. Oh, I'd only waste them anyway. <laughs> I, I do like seeing any Simpsons character smoking. Yes, yeah. It's, it's very yeah. fun. I don't know why. And uh, this also had the uh, the first of, you know, well, there's an extended one later, but Sanjay's uh, Be There or Being the Square is a uh, foreshadowing the, all the Pulp Fiction illusions that are coming oh, out. Oh, wow. You're right. Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. I did and that's not... probably from something else, but I mean, if if you're my age and your guy's age, you probably only know that sort of gesture from Pulp Fiction. No, you're that's right. true. Yeah. The, the square gesture is straight out a gesture is straight out of that. That's... I didn't connect it, but I think they didn't draw like the little diagram on the screen. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so that song Apu dances to is Freak a by Midnight Star. And if you want to look up the uh, the music video, it's a very fun early 80s music video, meaning they it looks like they had $8 to work with. Yeah. But uh, here's bits of the song folks have probably never heard. I like it. I'm, I'm you seeing... could probably feed that into a computer and it would give you the exact week in the 80s it came out based on the sound of it. <laughs> I wasn't looking at the video screen, but I'm just imagining uh, fog and lasers yep. and mirrors yep. everywhere. Yeah, and, and the people playing keyboards all around it. Yeah. And also conventionally attractive dancers with bad haircuts or oh, 80s haircuts. Big shoulder pads, too? Well, no, because they're like either shirtless if they're men or in uh, bikinis if they're women. So, no, there's no space for shoulder pads in that, unfortunately. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a fun song. I never really listened to all of it. It's it's quite a... Uh, conceptually, a freakazoid is a robot that is meant to have sex with you. and it's hmm. But it's, it's more that a human is presenting themselves to another person person as a freakazoid who is uh just like think of me as a robot meant to only make you feel pleasure. i really like you de- calmly de- deconstructing the song <laughs> what if you were a sex robot what if it were- <laughs> i also love 
Hans Bollman demanding four minutes of his life back <laughs> is so great. Like it's it's a customer service nightmare that happens so much in your life uh, if you've ever worked behind the count a register, which uh, I did like a decade ago. So I'm even like kind of out, I'm out of it, but I have to think it's unchanged. I this made me think of we talked about kids in the hall, the kids in the hall customer sketch. Oh yeah, if you've never seen it, it's it's uh, Bruce McCullough playing an angry customer who has waited five minutes for his bill to be given to him and he's like I've waited eight minutes for this <laughs> like well here it is now no I don't <laughs> want it now I want it five minutes ago that is a great sketch it's, uh, it's talking kids in the hall it's happening right now <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back hope you're enjoying this delightfully devilish podcast with connor on here and we love talking about the simpsons so much we started our own patreon for it which you can support at patreon.com slash talking simpsons what do you get for that well not only do you get access to every episode of talking simpsons a week early and ad free you get access to our sister podcast what a cartoon a week early and ad free as well as a ton of exclusive interviews on there where we talk to folks like david silverman a long time director on The Simpsons, Mike Scully, longtime writer and executive producer on the show, Bill Oakley, executive producer of this season of The Simpsons, Dan Graney, a writer for this episode and a writer for the last 20 years, and Nell Scoville, who wrote the classic Blowfish episode of The Simpsons back in season two, plus our exclusive Talking Critic podcast, where we talk about every episode of The Critic from the beginning and to the end, all the way to the webisodes, as well as Talking Futurama, where we just the entire first season of Futurama in the Talking Simpsons format. You can hear all of that with tons more exclusives to come for just $5 a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Supporting us there really helps us out and lets us pay the bills while doing this full time. We hope you aren't suffering from skin failure because if not, you could listen to What a Cartoon, our weekly podcast where we go through a different cartoon each week in the Talking Simpsons format. King of the Hill, Batman, Beavis and Butthead, Steven Universe, Fooly Cooly, so much more. And we even have a Family Guy episode coming. Can you believe it? All of that is on What a Cartoon, our weekly podcast. And that is part of your Talking Simpsons Patreon package. But if you just want to listen on iTunes, Stitcher, all those places check it out what a cartoon and if you're watching along with what a cartoon you might be able to watch a lot of the shows we cover on hulu and if you want a 30-day free trial of hulu you can sign up for it at tiny.cc slash ts hulu ts like talking simpsons tiny.cc slash ts hulu check it out today and be sure to check out what a cartoon another awesome podcast from hank and bob We get to the Simpsons place and 
Marge is having the end of a fantasy or something. Like the way she's looking off is that they in the original show they had her fantasizing as she washes dishes mm. about Lee wow. Majors. Uh, they that one I don't I don't know exactly what okay. she was fantasizing about, but or that Fabio on the uh, deck of a ship, <laughs> <laughs> kinda. When Lisa comes in complaining about Homer the Miracle Grow guy, that's that is quite random that he is throwing his <laughs> beer can. Yeah, is that a specific reference? I tried to look it up this morning, and all I found was those creepy. Uh, Duracell people. That was the '90s ad that showed up. Yeah, well, so I looked up who who is the Miracle Grow guy, and it's a man named. It's an old, the, at least from this 1995 commercial for Miracle Grow, which would be contemporary with this. It's an older man named James Whitmore who just tells you about how it can grow your lawn. Here's a quick clip to keep your lawn springtime green. Start using Miracle Grow lawn food now with the new no clog four in one feeder. You can apply it with your sprinkler. Goes on cool and wet, doesn't burn. Miracle Grow Lawn Food for a green lawn all summer long. Not the same James Whitmore who played uh, the guy who kills himself in Shawshank Redemption, is it? Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you're really? right. Okay. Yeah. He's a classic Hollywood actor. He's he's dead now, but in his twilight years, he was doing Miracle Grow uh, ads. Wow. On TV. I, I completely forget. I thought he looked familiar, but I was like, well, all old people look the same. It's just another old man. <laughs> I do like that. That somehow enraged Homer enough to throw beer at the TV. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, maybe he hates growing his lawn. And Lisa uh, being a goody goody, like, oh, I can recycle that. I'm yeah. gonna recycle that now. And Marge not caring is pretty great. She's just like. Whatever, yeah. just do it. And and poor Lisa gets gum stuck in her hair. Thanks to Bart, I think she. It's even more tragic that Bart pranked her without even knowing he did it. And it's just that I feel real bad for Lisa. And it's like honestly, she could be dead with a bunch of bees on her head, as we would later see. Right. Lisa's got gum in her hair. Mom, someone threw gum in my hair. Are you sure? Maybe it's just shampoo that washes right out. <laughs> no, it's somebody's gross gum. Wait, if I remember my Heloise, <laughs> the trick to getting out gum is peanut butter. There. Now that gum should lift right out. <laughs> hmm. Maybe it needs a little mayonnaise to get going. <laughs> okay, you go sit in the sun and let it melt in. <laughs> Why me? Yuck, smell like a sandwich. It's really interesting that Lisa is sort of the anchor for all these stories throughout the three acts because uh, Homer is barely used in this episode. You feel like it'd yeah. be the Homer show for this, for this, but I feel like they were putting more light on other characters for once. The thing that I took away from that is I went and looked up Heloise because that was in the Washington Post when I uh, <laughs> was growing up. You know what Heloise's real name is? What? Ponce Kia Marshall Heloise Cruz Evans. That's like 40 Whoa. names. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I never knew she was, I never knew of this lifestyle columnist until reading about it for this episode. I When Mark says Heloise, I guess I assumed it was an Ann Landers type, mm. uh, but that's that's all I assumed in, in first viewing as a kid. I, I sadly read some Heloise growing up because it was like <laughs> opposite the comics page. I'm like, uh, what's Heloise up to? What, what kind of tips does she have? Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was in our Sunday comics. It would be like, right, it would be like on the back where the bad ones were, like Prince mm. Valiant. Um, so. <laughs> and then the Sherlock Fox uh, yes, strips. Yes. I They weren't carried in my local papers, so I definitely would, in 
desperation for more distraction after finishing every comic on the comic page, I would read Ann Landers just to be like, I need, nothing good is on TV right now, so I guess I'll read this other page. I always read Dave Barry. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> Harry Anderson, who played him. Uh, Heloise was also the weird uh, thing that only happens in the uh, comic section where her mom was Heloise, and then she just got to take it over because she was her daughter. An inherited now. Wow. Oh, it's terrible. I have no idea. <laughs> I guess so. Heloise is still in practice. I went to her website, which is uh, just like warmly old. Like it feels like it was last updated in 2004. Oh. And in in a way, that's like that's quaint in the Heloise style of quaint uh, household tips. Is there a button to break out of your frames? <laughs> Trapped in a frame? Click this. Uh, no, but there is a ticker on the top that says today's date. Oh, how which, nice. JavaScript. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I assume it's under construction. <laughs> Always. And uh, I also do love that Marge's hopefulness of like, are you sure it's not shampoo? Because that washes right out. She, like, does, she does not want it to be gum. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've been in that way too. Just hopeful like, maybe you're wrong. Maybe you didn't like jam your toe and break a nail on it or something. Maybe, <laughs> maybe your appendix fine. isn't inflamed yeah, and painful. Maybe. I, this probably isn't a cold. If I keep thinking to myself this isn't a cold, it's not going to be I'm just sleepy. I'm just sleepy. Though, the bees in the hair, the real life thing, ha the, a similar thing like this happened to my mom once, and it, uh, it was not funny. Where So she was cleaning out the garage. Well, there was, as we would find out later, some standing water in a corner, mm. which had turned into a wasp nest. They'll do that. Which she picked up, and then not a comical like beard of bees or whatever, Whatever, but it was dozens of wasps were on her uh. and i heard and i was the only other person home that day this was like uh when i was like 20 and she comes screaming into the kitchen and she's like she's asking me to smash the wasps which are in her hair so i'm having to like basically hit my mother to kill God. wasps that are trapped in her hair that's it's, a nightmare henry it, yeah it's it's it was rather scarring for me i I, I don't know what She's it is. okay. My mom's fine now. I don't know what it is about the Bay Area where we live, but I think bees have like a non-aggression pact with humans because I've never been chased or tormented by a bee. But like growing up in the Midwest, bees were up in your face constantly. <laughs> like I associate going to fairs with just like bees hovering around you trying to get into your like can of Coke or eat your cotton candy or something. But man, the bees here are very friendly. Yeah, I have a specific memory about going to like a state park or something in Virginia and there being like a don't be a pig a uh, trash can with like a pig's face on it to put the trash in. <laughs> and so as a kid, you're intrigued by that because it's a friendly pig. But the amount of bees hovering around uh -huh. it, like, you know, the most terrifying creatures in the world at that point in time was just, it's seared into my memory probably from when I was four. <laughs> I, well, I mean, also my little brother, my brother is deathly allergic to peanuts, slightly allergic to bees. So sketches about bee allergies definitely touched my family, which, which we get right here. Smithies, what's the meaning of this slacking off? Uh. There's a bee in my eye, sir. And? I'm allergic to bee stings. They cause me to, uh, die. But we're running out of forward momentum. Uh, perhaps you could paddle for just a little while, sir. Quite impossible. You can try to bat him off if you like. Uh, really, that's okay. Oh. Holy cats, man, we're starting to wobble. Get me to a hospital. You have to... Do <laughs> oh, tuttle Sunday trousers. Fear not. I'll get you to a hospital. The only way I know how. Smithies, you infernal ninny. Stick your left hoof on that flange now. Now, if you can get it through your bug-addled brain, jam that second mythic clodhopper of yours on the right doodad. 
Now pump those scrawny chicken legs, you stuporous funker! <laughs> One more jostle, you wretched sugar day! Uh. <laughs> they basically had to use every word for Burns they haven't used yet. Every 19th century, uh, like, antiquated term. Uh, I was really pleased to see, uh, to hear holy cats. Yeah. I've met someone who uses that in real life. Kevin Murphy at Rift Tracks uses that. Uh, <laughs> You're right. I ironically. Like... And uh, Claude Hopper was a favorite of my grandfather who, uh, you know, served in World War II as a 19-year-old. So he would say that wow. when, when we started getting big basketball shoes, he would be like, look at those Claude Hoppers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, 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 old people in my in my life as a little kid would say Claude Hopper a lot. But I, I do like, sure good day. I wish he had said Milksop. That's the only yeah. one that I would read in old comic books and be like, oh, why, I, what is this insult? <laughs> this is a uh, kind of a reference to Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 1, mm-hmm. right? In which uh, Smithers is exercising for Burns while he plays pinball. <laughs> They're wearing the same outfits even in yeah. both of them. So it's definitely a, dir- it's a direct continuation and building of that joke. But and It is nice to see that Smithers values his own life over inconveniencing Mr. Burns. You have Sli- to pedal. Slightly. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> I like that Burns was reading Auto Gyro Enthusiast. That was a pretty delightful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's good, too. Though it's too realistic. Like, you feel so bad for Smithers. You're like, this is a dying person. He's like, <laughs> the tongue just hanging out of the mouth. Like, and he was stung and in the eye. he very pathetically reaches for the orderly when they come out and briefly decide who to take in. He, he <laughs> tries to grab at them, and his arm flops to the ground. <laughs> we have to assume that Smithers died. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Burns looks much worse. That, that even when Smithers is clearly dying from an allergic reaction... Burns on the ground looks more in need of, of care than Smithers does. So Smithers needs booze. Yeah, You need booze. Though also that he has an unnatural ability to still be ordered around even when going into anaphylactic shock. He's like, well, I still have to do what Mr. Burns tells me it's to It's like do. a part of his lizard brain now. <laughs> I also love the comedic conceit of, obviously... The, the bike would fall over the second he's stung, <laughs> but it's able to just keep rolling. Like, and, and Burns is just like, ooh, we're almost about to fall over. Hmm. <laughs> it's also one of the better connectors in this episode. Uh, not just B to B, and you get to see Bumblebee Man before you see him later in the episode. And it's cute that the B pauses to look at him. <laughs> yes. And then it, it then does the next handoff at the hospital for a hospital scene. These are, it's not the same as like, well, this radio is being listened to by two people. I yeah. Guess. Or this this donut uh, fell into a sewer. We're going to follow it. (laughs) So then we get Dr. Nick, and this feels like the last Dr. Nick scene or something. I think they had already run out of interest with Dr. Nick mostly. This really is like one of the better ones though. I mean oh, yeah. like he gets I think the most attention here. And I'm disappointed that Dr. Nick did not stay dead in the Simpsons movie. They they, yeah. they did bring him back. Huh. It, it should have been what like who cares? Like let a guy stay dead to have a more important things happen in the Simpsons movie that, that like stay but they, they since brought him back. But my curiosity with Dr. Nick so he says that he <laughs> the charges that he's brought up on one of them was cadavers and he says i could get there faster when i use the carpool lane so i looked up whether that had actually happened and there are no records of that actually happening oh. unfortunately there's all sorts of like quarrels about the ethics of doing that or for hearses and there was one woman in orange county in 2010 who drove around with a dead homeless woman in her car for eight months because the woman had died into her in her car and she didn't know what to do about it oh I, yeah specifically about the willful abuse of the hov lane 
Wow, that's <laughs> I I just love the visual of Doctor Dick happily and, and with no moral qualms driving around with a corpse in his passenger seat, <laughs> not to, worrying about the smell or nope. the the disease and filth. <laughs> and uh, then it transitions to a pretty good parody of the TV show ER. Tell Doctor Nick where is the trouble. I'm at G. I got ants in my pants. I'm discombobulated. Give me a calm chair. <laughs> Slow down, sir. You're going to give yourself skin failure. Okay. Now, the symptoms you describe point to bonus eruptus. It's a terrible disorder where the skeleton tries to leap out the mouth and escape the body. No, you're talking. Our one chance is transdental electromicide. I'll need a golf cart motor with a thousand volt capacitor. Stab! Doctor! I can't in good conscience. Ah, now there's no time, man. We'll have to improvise. <laughs> Keep doing that every five seconds. Dr. Nick, we owe you an apology. Consider the charges dropped. All right. Free nose jobs for everybody. Yay, you first. Give me a Van Heflin. <laughs> I love how uh, that seems to work, shocking Abe in the mouth every five seconds. <laughs> It's a great placebo. Yeah. I mean, uh, Abe is very satisfied by it. Like, once he's given it, he's like, Abe is given the old-timey remedy he asked for, so no matter how much it's hurt, this is telling him, like, true. well, this is what I wanted. I also My like... My favorite detail of that scene is the uh, he's demanding to see a quack, and they all look at Dr. Nick, and he his face narrows into the, uh, the I mean, business type of thing. Yeah. Awesome we also we get a very uh, sober, like, hi, everybody. Hi, Dr. Nick. Yeah. <laughs> he, be, he becomes George Clooney's character from ER at yeah. the time, and they even... They do a great job. This is something like Jim Reardon and his team on the animation. When they're asked in this crazy episode to also correctly parody a show or film in style, they do it like the camera, jerky camera motions as uh, Abe is trying to cut people with a scalpel. That's really well observed. That's yeah. exactly like ER did a ton of handheld camera stuff on the show for the, but only for the intense like doctoring scene. That's true. And there was previously an ER reference, but it wasn't very good. It was just the ER music played over an establishing shot of yeah. the hospital in A Star Is Burned. Huh. But ER was like strangely just uh, massive. It was on must see TV Thursdays. I think that's why on NBC, yeah, like mm -hmm. after Seinfeld or whatever. But like it, then it quietly just continued for 15 more years. And like I, I think most people might have just forgot about it. But it, I, <laughs> I think it just ended um, maybe somewhat recently or maybe like in the uh, 2000s. 10 years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it definitely made it into the 2000s. Like I figured the first ever Grey's Anatomy where you're like, it's still on. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I figured the cast just turned into sand after 1999. <laughs> but no, people were watching it. I was a regular viewer of ER for the first few years. Uh, then, like several people, when George Clooney escaped, I was like, well, I don't know why I'm watching this regularly. Just because, other than my just natural entropy of like, well, I did just watch Seinfeld. I may as well watch the thing that's after this. <laughs> There's some ludicrous clip online where a uh, helicopter kills two of the cast members. It just falls on them. Oh, yes, I yeah. think they wanted to escape from the show. But uh, so watching this with my mom, ER, she's a nurse and she was a nurse back then. It was sort of like watching The Simpsons with The Simpsons nerd and that she would point out how, how wrong they were about all the medical stuff. <laughs> it's also very, kids don't try this home like don't pull a wire out of a light and zap your teeth that's <laughs> it, it may calm your skeleton but there's horrible <laughs> things afterwards and that's all they need to drop all the charges on nick like he has committed clear crimes They're like 
We drop all charges. God. By the way, ER ended in 2009. My I God. thought it was like 2004 or something. Yeah, wow. Who are you people watching ER in 2009? I think they lost their last... I think they still went like five years longer even after they lost their last original cast member of the show mm-hmm. which uh was it like on like oxygen or something by the end of that <laughs> or just showing exclusively on nick I, and night or i something? think nbc put it somewhere it was also weird on that show that like i enjoyed news ready radio and then i saw like multiple stars of news radio more at least two just transitioned to being regulars on that show you're right yeah. wow that is weird it's like the hbo effect just, just cycle in between shows <laughs> yeah i know as as a as somebody who was watching oz when sopranos was new i was like they're just stealing everybody from oz this soprano show is pretty <laughs> lazy it's over for this show <laughs> and uh jasper wants a van heflin who I got him in looking at pictures of that oldie time film star. He has a he has a good nose. I'd want yeah, that nose. nose. Yeah, born in 1908. In case you're wondering how old this reference is, <laughs> you, you can see him in movies like Shane and 310 to Yuma. Those uh, those westerns. So he's not really the star of them. But uh, I bet he was really bitter when he didn't get the Miracle Grow guy. <laughs> Take a quick commercial break. We come back and the the Mo scene is great. I love that it starts with basically a Cheers joke, a joke that was done to Norm many times about his bar tab. But then Mo's like, well, no, I called them, and here's a giant pile of printed paper about your bar tab. I I just love that. I've been drinking for, I don't know, let me think, um, 15 years maybe, and I've never been to a bar that had tabs. Mm -hmm. That seems like, do these exist anywhere? Like, getting beer on credit seems odd to me at a bar. Yeah, when it was just a town, you know, when it was the one bar in town, and you were the, uh, you'd be coming in there waiting for your paycheck, I guess, maybe after the factory jobs type of thing. Yeah, it seems more like a small town type thing. I've never, I mean, at a night at a bar, you can get, like, in modern days, I've given them a credit card to be like, this is my tab, do you want to start a tab? That, but you don't get to keep coming back. At my favorite (laughs) bar, there's a thing where you can uh, buy someone a beer in advance, and then they'll put their name on a chalk board so when they come in they'll get a beer but that's like a reverse tab situation <laughs> that's a pain well they used to do that at grocery stores i mean like in some of the old like shorts that we do uh they'll have you know grocery tabs where you're paying it at the end of the month so oh, probably figured this is a good system we can apply this to drunks and it will work just as well <laughs> i only know jokes about tabs because they were a recurring joke in archie comics like it wasn't about beer it was about malts, the malts and the <laughs> jughead's tab is too high at pop's chocolate shop now if he's gonna do it and if he, he's not selling him a burger just yet like they they so it was constructionally the same but it was about burger and malt uh, things so barney's just walking around with two thousand dollars which i think actually would be a more re that's easily more than his tab could possibly be like yeah He's, he's very blasé about uh, just handing over $2,000 and pulling yep. it out of his pocket. <laughs> and the well, gr- yeah, Moe's was not the type of place. It was, you know, the glorious days of probably $2 beers, maybe even if that, so. Oh, yeah. This smirk on Moe's face tells you, like, this was not $2,000. He just <laughs> ripped off Barney with his bad joke. And Barney's just too trusting. So then we get to the arrival of Snake, another of the recurring characters in this uh, episode. Yeah, Middlebury graduate. Dude, move a muscle and I'll blow this wino's head off. Ah, I'm behind three inches of bulletproof glass. Do your worst. All right. No, stay out of there. Stay out of there. Oh, good God, no. <laughs> good God, no. Oh, goodbye, student loan payments. Ha <laughs> ha. 
Come back here, you stinking... Hey, I wonder how much air is in here. <laughs> no concern for Barney's uh, health at all, <laughs> no. but whenever, if I ever come into a windfall of money, like just uh, a lot of money just hits me at once, I do want to say goodbye, student loan payments. <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of those. He flicks the light on and off in an effort to dissuade him, like uh, Marge did when I think Lisa and Bart were fighting about the hockey <laughs> That's team. True. <laughs> That's true. That's the only thing he built into his panic room was a light <laughs> switch, and and also yeah, just Moe's complete and utter disregard for Barney's life. Like he doesn't stop moving once he's told to don't move and he says do your worst do your worst murder barney i do not care and barney doesn't do seem to a, care a reference to middlebury i mean there's a middlebury university in vermont about half an hour down the road for me i don't know what else it would be oh i think so i mean it's definitely yeah right. it's funny that like a, a an ex-convict covered in tattoos with a with yeah. like a mullet is a middlebury graduate <laughs> he went to the liberal arts college though two thousand dollars in student loans is like that's nothing yeah like, that's like that's like two books i'm about 40k in the hole but uh, at a certain point that money is doesn't mean anything it's just the thing you pay every month <laughs> i just... was i was 80k in the hole a long time ago too so My God. well hey, don't go to college yeah kids. you you got a master's degree though Bob. it is true and yeah. look what i'm doing with it <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding uh i also love when he's flicking the light switch just the little animation on barney looking at the ceiling yeah. like what what's happening that that's what's attracting his attention not the gun being held to his head <laughs> it's it's it, there's a real innocence to it i love that and that Smithers and Moe both seemingly dead at the end of their sketches in this. They both just are like, they fall down. They're kind of like, what happens to Moe? He's run out of air and he's locked in a room that only he could get out of. Like, he's dead. Hopefully <laughs> Barney will get him out of there. <laughs> so here we are. We've yep. gotten to it. We are at Steamed Hams. Now, listeners, ah. I, I normally get the clips on The Simpsons Show. I sometimes just... I wouldn't do the entire scene normally, but for steamed hams, we kind of have to do the full three minutes yeah, of it. It calls, it, full glory. it calls for self-indulgence. I mean, that's mm -hmm. why it became a meme. Yeah, you so, cut off a Hendrix guitar solo. So. Exactly. <laughs> well, so here we go with steamed hams, but it's part one. Well, Seymour, I made it, despite your directions. Ah, Superintendent Chalmers, welcome. I hope you're prepared for an unforgettable luncheon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ye gods! My roast is ruined! But what if I were to purchase fast food and disguise it as my own cooking? <laughs> Delightfully devilish, Seymour. <laughs> I love uh, Chalmers, uh, like just guttural non dialogue, like, yeah, and but. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the writing of this episode, I think it worked in that uh, writers would submit their three top characters they wanted to write for, and maybe Bill Oakley would choose them or they were chosen at random. But Oakley. Uh, co-showrunner Bill Oakley who we interviewed twice he chose Skinner and uh, Chalmers because Chalmers is one of his favorite characters because the joke is he's a normal guy reacting to all the crazy <laughs> sitcom stuff around him and Bill Oakley told us and I think he said in other places too this is his favorite thing he's ever written for TV and it's, wow. and it's the only Simpsons thing he wrote solo he said That's that right. all, the, all the rest he wrote with Josh Weinstein his co-showrunner and co-author this one he wrote alone and he 
He was quite proud of it even before it became a meme. We interviewed him pre-meme. He just loves oh. this scene so much. And it became even greater in, in the post-memeing. But and the, we all liked this before. It was cool, right? Oh, yes. Very Oh, yeah. I mean, please. <laughs> but the <laughs> it constructionally, what I love about this sketch is that it is a hoary old trope of, say, Bewitched or the Donna Reed show or all these things of just like, oh, what will I do? What if I were to fool the person I invite over for this dinner date to a person who does not care, wouldn't give a single, <laughs> like Chalmers doesn't care. If he just said, well, I burned the roast, Chalmers was just like, yeah, it sounds like you. All right. Anyway. What gets yeah. me out of here quicker, please? Yeah. Let's order pizza or let's reschedule this or I'll just go somewhere else. And meanwhile, Skinner it has to then try extra hard to be in a sitcom trope that he yeah. doesn't have to be in. And I like how on the nose and unnecessary his uh, his dialogue to himself is, what if I were to do the whole delightfully devilish thing? But like, he doesn't need to be talking to himself throughout this whole sketch. It's so great. It requires Chalmers to then, you know, know exactly what's going on and question it to an aggressive degree that nobody outside of you know someone interacting with larry david would ever push <laughs> yeah. back on that much which is also very hilarious yeah like in like in a sick in a regular ass sitcom uh the characters would not question things because the jokes would need to work but in this one like uh chalmers is sort of the anti yes and to all the <laughs> jokes like no way what are you talking about like i'm no. not gonna yeah yeah it's really Really? Yeah. And it's just, I also, I, I've, I've read in interviews Oakley, and I think Oakley said it to us too, but he said he thinks the general appeal of it right now is possibly based on current political situations <laughs> where you have a person saying a lie that everyone knows is a lie, and you're just like, could you just admit it? Just admit it. They're like, no, what are you talking about? This this is from this place. I didn't do that. Like it's uh, a politician lying works for any time in any party anywhere. But I I think that was an interesting reading on Bill Oakley of why he thinks it feels so current again. Yeah, that could be why it resurfaced. I mean, there have been plenty of lies flying around lately. <laughs> yes, but the it's also interesting that the Krusty Burger is so central to multiple plots in this episode. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Again, I I'm not used to watching this in the context of the episode. Yeah, it would have been neat if they when uh when the cops are seated there if you had seen uh, Skinner dart by in the background. Oh, that would have been nice. The cop car is drawn into the parking lot when he gets across the street, though. Awesome, man. It is there. And the... uh, I just love the the crusty. Just Skinner is so satisfied. I'm like, what if? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I also just love the theme song. is so corny and silly. And and because this has happened so many times, they have a million clips to show of Chalmers just going like, God, Skinner, like you're the worst. <laughs> they saved on like thirty seconds of animation too with that. Yeah. And just that he ends it with Skinner. Like it's his catchphrase. Yeah, it's yeah. like he's in uh, Gomer Pyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so the, the theme song's over. What's Skinner going to do? <laughs> Superintendent, I was just uh, stretching my calves on the windowsill. Isometric exercise. Care to join me? Why is there smoke coming out of your oven, Seymour? Uh, oh, that isn't smoke. It's steam. Steamed from the steamed clams we're having. Mmm, steamed clams. Ooh. <laughs> Superintendent, I hope you're ready for mouth-watering hamburgers. I thought we were having steamed clams. No, uh, oh, no, I said steamed hams. That's what I call hamburgers. You call hamburgers steamed hams? Yes, it's a regional dialect. Uh-huh. Uh, what region? Uh, upstate New York. Really? <laughs> Well, I'm from Utica, and I've never heard anyone use the phrase steamed hams. Oh, not in Utica. No, it's an Albany expression. I see. 
That's so great. Again, uh, he should not be questioning this, but he's just like, come on. He's just like, Skinner, please. You just just admit you bought hamburgers. Just say you did that. That's it, all you have to do. I looked it up. Utica and Albany are 95 miles away from each other, about an hour and a half. And uh, it, re- it reminded me of, so there's no way they would have different slang terms or no. anything like that. Yeah. But I uh, just last summer, I learned about my favorite upstate New York regional delicacy slash slang, which is something called uh, the Syracuse salt potato hmm. and uh, wow. get this this is potatoes hmm. that when you boil them you put a lot of salt in the water. <laughs> well, slow down, egghead. <laughs> yeah, it's that. and some guy was like, you know, it was the Fourth of July, and he and we ended up going back to his house, and he had a bag of salt potatoes his parents had brought him when they visited, and it's just a sack of potatoes, and then it comes with like a package of salt for you to pour in the water. Uh, wow. So there are weird, uh, you know, upstate New York expressions and foodstuffs. Yeah. Uh, I think steamed hams, I looked it up, they were uh, steamed hamburgers, rather. Were, yeah. They've been around since the 30s. Like that, That's that been a way to cook ham, to cook Who meat. Who would want yeah. meat steamed? I, I don't know. Sort of like I, pressure cooking. I mean, that's uh, fine. All right, yeah. sure, yes. But, uh, but yeah. I it just renders want... vegetables, which taste bad to begin with, even tasting worse. <laughs> I just want a salty potato right now. Like, <laughs> man, who'd have thought? Just put a bunch of salt on a potato. Yeah. It makes everything better. <laughs> I, there are some small details I love in this uh, scene in that Skinner serves hamburgers in a way that they've never been served like on a huge silver platter on a on a bed of french fries yeah, there's right. like there's like eight hamburgers there how many hamburgers are these men going to eat they eat most of them yeah they do, but it's yeah it's such a he's like well i have to present these in a fancier way like it has i gotta do that like you don't you don't you there was a mcdonald's ad about a decade ago where some guy like was told he needed hors d'oeuvres and he was a dopey man so he went out and bought mcdonald's burgers and then he stuck like a toothpick in them at the party. I don't know if you guys remember. Oh, that. Yeah. I just remember that maybe it was influenced by this. I, I don't understand that because like I don't understand getting McDonald's like delivered to you or or anything like that because <laughs> there's there's maybe a five minute window in which McDonald's tastes good. After that, it just turns into like wet slime. Yeah, I was curious though, like if someone completely out of the blue served you a McDonald's hamburger at your house, if you if it would even occur to me what it was. I think it probably would. They have a distinct taste. But it, yeah. just out of context, I was wondering. I mean, even a cheap bun you buy at uh, the grocery store won't have the specific type of like paper flavor that a, a, a burger bun does for yeah. McDonald's. I mean, they're designed to all use like the same flavor chemical, so the burger tastes the same no matter where you get it. So I feel yeah. like, like no, no, this is a McDonald's burger. I, as, a, <laughs> as a kid, I could probably tell like that's Wendy's, that's McDonald's, that's Burger King. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. I could, I could do the same with French fries. That's definitely. a real trash taste tester. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also love smoking steam. Don't look at all the same. It, it, Chalmers isn't fooled, but he just doesn't care. He's like, whatever, <laughs> fine. And that... You also, it's so great that it comes later. You think, well, part of his plan has to be putting out that fire, right? Like, no, yeah. he doesn't. It, Chalmers should be smelling smoke the entire time. Saving uh, this meal is more important than his house or his mother. Yes, yes. Also, something in every steamed hams meme, I love that they all almost entirely keep in the music cue of it's it's such a silly bad cue i just love it it's some great sitcom music uh, and then also that poor skinner in his lies picks the one area that chalmers is from to say it's an expression <laughs> from there and yeah. Chalmers was like really that's where i'm from is like no patent skinner burgers uh, also big thumbs up to harry shearer says yes and no in this it's just like 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that Skinner. Yes, it's great. Uh, it's beautiful. So, yes. So where could this possibly be going? You know, these hamburgers are quite similar to the ones they have at Krusty Burger. <laughs> oh, no. Patented Skinner Burgers. Old family recipe. For steamed hams. Yes. 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 And you call them steamed hams, despite the fact they are obviously grilled. <laughs> you, uh, you know, the, one thing I... <laughs> Excuse me for one second. Of course. <laughs> oh, well, that was wonderful. Good time was had by all. I'm pooped. Yes, I should be. Good Lord, what is happening in there? Aurora Borealis? Uh, Aurora Borealis. At this time of year, at this time of day, in this part of the country, localized entirely within your kitchen. Yes. Yes. May I see it? No. Seymour! <laughs> No, Mother, it's just the Northern Lights. Well, Seymour, you are an odd fellow, but I must say, you steam a good ham. Help! Help! Skinner is so proud of himself after that. I think this is the one time uh, an encounter with Chalmers has ended well. He's at, he's only one in this yeah. one time with him. And I, I don't know if it was the same yes, but I think it was. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. so great. Yeah, I had to look it up. I Because I was, you know, you said, do, do we like this before it was cool? And I was like, well, I knew what it was. But I, I looked it up and the only steamed hams reference that we've ever done in a Rift Tracks was sadly just from last year. So it was Aww. definitely after it was popular again. But it had a guy... <sighs> researching monsters in the like Finland or something like that. And there was a joke about uh, Aurora Borealis and he was trying to pass it off as steamed ham. Awesome. So. <laughs> I, I think Wagner. as, as a big, as a big Skinner fan, I think this would be the highlight for me, like watching it uh, before the meme. So I am saying I was the one who was cool ahead of time, but uh, I mean, it's a standout for a reason, all the reasons we talked about and Bill Oakley should be proud of it. Yeah. The Aurora Borealis. It, Aurora for, Borealis. it forever changed Aurora Borealis for me. Anytime I would see it referenced or oh. I'd see it in a movie or anything, I'd be like, oh, the steamed ham. I would just hear yeah. Chalmers Z- zooming in every sentence he's every little bit he says is yes. a very nice touch. On the yeah, direction. the direction is so great. It's like a stock sitcom scene, but the, he had so much to it. Uh, Jim Reardon. Yeah, it's just such a great, just like cut every time. It's just also the just quick in and out uh, from going in and then coming right back. Like, oh, oh boy, good what time good was that by all? <laughs> he just wants to end it right there, and Chalmers like, yes, I probably should be. Go- Good, Good Lord! <laughs> what is happening in there? And and also just the, the sweatiness. It, it says so much in just the sweatiness and thumbs up that Skinner gives of like, nope, it's everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Go away. While his mother is screaming. <laughs> and then he's ready to let Agnes die. Yeah. And, and that Chalmers, I, I think it's very sweet in a way that Chalmers is just like, I could humiliate you by pointing out how obvious this deception is, but yeah, whatever. You tried so hard. I'll give you this one. I'll give it to you. Uh, one of my favorite uh, memes that probably wouldn't wouldn't translate for a lot of people, but a guy who had listened to our uh, Ready Player One podcast made uh, made uh, Chalmers saying, "Well, Seymour, you are an odd fellow, but I must admit." You gunt a good rig. <laughs> oh, man, nice rig. That is a nice rig. Yeah. Boy, uh, has has gunting entered the, the lexicon of uh, Americans now? You know, I saw the movie only twice, and I think that they only said gunting, like, in the very beginning, and then Spielberg was like, we're not we're not going to be saying like, gunting anymore. Yeah, I think Let's... it checked a box to be like, look, we said it once, you know this is gunting. Maybe maybe they said gunters, like, a couple times, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not smashed over your head. Like, this is going to be... 
be the cool word everybody says. Uh, it just again. It, send me a link to a, uh, a picture he took of the uh, like Gunter Life T-shirt that was already marked down thirty three percent. You can't name a thing a Gunt. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's kind of a word already yeah. too. Uh, and I also that movie. One of the most ridiculous things in the film version of it is that they that no one tried an exploit of driving backwards in a race like that's the first thing any person who plays a racing game would try at least one if if five billion people were playing a game at the same time one of them would have tried that in the first day it's just, right. for five years it had been going on yeah for five years nobody's like what if I drove backwards, which is a thing you do in every video game that's a racing game, just to test it out? It's like, right. uh, let's just complain about Ready Player One for the rest of this. Like, <laughs> no, uh, uh, Steam Ham's the greatest. It's, oh, yeah. It became a meme in the last year of just Steam Ham's, but it's blank. And we could each say bil- billions of them. My favorite that comes straight to mind, there's, there are dozens I love, but my favorite as a musical theater nerd who loves Les Miserables, mm. there's one called Steamed Hams, but it's Les Mis, and it redoes several songs as basically, if you Les Mis fans out there know, there are multiple fight songs between Javert, uh, Jean Valjean, Jean Valjean versus Javert. In this, they recast Javert and Jean Valjean as Chalmers and Skinner having song arguments oh my about god this. It's, wow. it's really good do you have any favorite uh, steamed ham memes yourself connor yeah I, I liked the one that was uh it was george lucas's steamed ham special edition so there you show the crusty burger and then a giant out of place uh cgi like brontosaurus type of thing <laughs> you go by, or, or you that just is... hear uh you know a sound effect or something or r2d2 would be burning in the background that, that was a nice nicely done that is awesome. I mean, mine are my favorites are very deep cut video game things. Like my favorite ones are the uh, the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney one and the mm. Danganronpa one because both of those games are about <laughs> trials where someone is testifying and you have to point out their lies, and that's exactly what Chalmers is doing. Wow. And my other favorite one is someone auto-tuned uh, Smash Mouth's All-Star to the entire scene. So wow. they're basically singing All-Star, but with all the dialogue. And it, it works It works so perfectly. Uh, the most recent one I saw that I was a big fan of was Seymour uh, uh, sitting there and across the table from him is Ken Griffey Jr. saying, and you claim it promotes robust health despite the fact that it obviously causes gigantism. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Uh, I love that. I, I also... Another of my favorites, last one I'll say that I just watched was Steamed Hams, but it is a fan sub in the 90s. And uh. unless unless you watch fan subtitled anime from the 90s, it makes no sense. It's a joke about bad subtitles. But what I'll give them extra credit for is they took the Japanese language version of Steamed Hams, that the official one that aired in Japan, uh. and subtitled it with, but poorly, how a fan subtitler would in America in the 90s. That's great. There's a great part when he says Dame for no, and he's like, can I see it? No. Anybody says Dame. Then a giant wall of text on screen says like, Dame means no in Japanese dialect. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, we get it. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, inspired a lot of creativity. You got to hand it to people. It's not just it's not just the nerds in the uh, Homer Goes to College repeating the, the lines of Monty Python. <laughs> Fandom yeah. is taking on a, a, nice, uh, a, a nice new twist with the with these type of things there's serious video production skills going into all of these it's <laughs> that's, amazing that's what i love about popular memes like this is that it creates 
such a constraint for joke construction or writing or creativity that working within it causes people to be extra creative like well what new can i do with steamed hams that hasn't been done before and right. and then the extra level of effort you see in it is beautiful like uh, okay we have spent 20 have minutes ever on made hams. any uh any of these things that have i've tried my my oh. damnedest they they like they never go anywhere on these groups I don't think so. I come up with ideas, but then I think about how long it would take for me to execute those, and then yeah. I just give up. I'll put a meme on a Frankiac GIF. That's that's the length of uh, work I will put into. Yeah, I'll just rewrite, I'll rewrite dialogue on a Simpsons line, and then post mm. that. But I won't Photoshop. All right. Well, so out of steam, Ham. <laughs> we go then to the best scene of this episode to the weakest scene of this episode i would say it's just yeah. like it's cute maggie homer funnies it's just like i do like that they i think they identified that maggie and homer basically never do anything together yeah. so if they're going to do a novel scene with homer then put him with maggie and slh let's say it's a little help that's right it's very gentle and cute but it's not yes. like i mean coming off of steam hams it's sort of just like uh when's the next scene happening yeah mm-hmm. the though the my favorite well first off that that homer smashed all his quarters at the railroad that's cute yeah. and though maggie should be wearing a diaper he's kind of irresponsible that is true <laughs> and lastly i do like the headline of I guess it's not a palindrome, but just deadbeat dad beat dead is, is quite a funny headline. It's a very, what, New York Post headline? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I also love just uh, Sans Little Helper immediately eating all of the cheese. Like, Yeah. I mean, uh, for it's kind of weak in terms of writing, but the animation of Homer juggling all the items to get the newspaper is very well done. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of work went into figuring out, like, where does Homer put everything? Well-observed juggling of things, which I have been that as well, but more like, a, I want to eat this ice cream cone, but I did just go to the grocery store. How am I going to handle this? And the solution is for Homer to just rip the machine out of the ground <laughs> and then put it in Maggie's crib. And hopefully Marge will have a quarter later. The, uh, I appreciated that they they went to the effort of making it Jesse Helms calling for the donut tax just to pick a, a random political world. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, look up Jesse Helms, kids. He was not a nice guy. <laughs> not no. a great guy. That would remind me that only from either Simpsons or MST3K would I learn the names of, like, uh, congressmen, really. Yeah. I didn't know who Trent Lott was until I heard my nelson say the line i'd rather get a lap dance from trent lott oh dear god i remember what he looks like that's yeah. not oh, yeah. a pretty image yeah mst3k taught me he had who, a large uh, head he really did i think mst3k taught me who john sununu was oh yes, yes. <laughs> so thank you everybody <laughs> uh so then we get a nice little match cut from maggie to the most disgusting crusty burger that's ever been eaten i think they just unless he's having like a a pork sandwich it's just miscolored it me it should be a dark brown but it's like a pink slaw in it it's yeah. just so gross i think it was a mistake but wiggum has never looked hilariously fatter yeah on purpose i mean yeah. on purpose he is a huge like food monster in this scene <laughs> it's almost a ren and stimpy-esque close-up with that amount of uh yeah, it, really is. Ugh, it it grossed me out. And then I will say in 1994, maybe Pulp Fiction references were a little pay, uh, played out, but I I still hadn't seen the movie. I think I saw the movie a year after this. I, I just, it, it took a while to convince my parents to rent it for me because I was 14 at the time of this uh, era. I, uh, I watched it at a friend's house. So I was probably a freshman or sophomore in, in high school. Came home and was like, oh, this, you know, it's a great movie. Like, I'd love to share this with my dad. My mom must have been out of town or something. We went downstairs and, you know, there's early, early scenes about gross, you know, sex stuff um, with, with um, Jules and Vincent. And my dad is just like, 
obviously uncomfortable. Is like, I'm going to go upstairs, Connor. I don't need to. <laughs> to watch this trash. Uh, sh- uh, shockingly, I saw Pulp Fiction for the first time in like 2013. Wow. Because at the time, I was just like, all right, all right, I understand all the references, whatever. I was just kind of annoyed with the references. But <laughs> I think it was after this, but I knew this was a Pulp Fiction parody. It was only until 2013 did I know like what the subtext was of some hmm. later scenes. <laughs> yeah, this scene and it's the the skit from it. I mean, the dialogue from it was on the soundtrack, so that's how sort of ubiquitous it was. If you listen to the soundtrack, you heard <laughs> yeah. this whole discussion. I listened to that soundtrack a million times, but it was like sketches on a hip hop album where I'm just like, look, I love these quotes and all, but I wanted to hear the song. Like, I didn't want these sketches. Yeah. A yeah. couple of years ago, we were at a in a in a bar or something, and it was playing on a TV um, on silent. And my wife and her uh, sister and brother in town were like, oh, it's been a while. Like, we should probably rewatch this. Just see, like, what we've forgotten, like, what we never noticed and re-rewatched it. And I'm like, no, this is pretty much seared into my brain. I'm not picking up anything new here. This is all very familiar stuff. I've watched it somewhat recently. I think it really holds up. It's a great – it's it's much better than Forrest Gump, the film it lost to at the Oscars. That's for sure. But oh, wow. it, I And I think something that will make people appreciate the – honestly, quite – you know, everyone's used to Tarantino-style dialogue now, so it doesn't – feel is in 1994 hearing uh hearing cops and robbers talk in a way that like a a stoner loser would talk it it was interesting and novel but then every goddamn film after this it was like well what if a guy who shot people ate at a diner like i think it goes something like this it it makes you appreciate the work tarantino put in uh his his writing is uniquely better than his dozens of imitators yeah i mean watching it much later uh 20 years after it was released i was like i could see why this was mind-blowing at the time but now every movie this is like uh like joss whedon and whatever like everyone picked up that naturalistic boondock saints like which which, by the way folks if you've never seen it the documentary overnight is one of the best documentaries ever so much better than boondock saints it's about the making of boondock saints and how troy duffy the maker of the movie is one of the worst people ever and yet now he is not the worst person in that film because a key player in overnight is harvey weinstein that's a great documentary yeah uh but anyway so this is the Jules and Vinny argument about about the differences in what McDonald's is called in France, except with a Simpson-y touch. <laughs> you know, I went to the McDonald's in uh, Shelbyville on Friday night. <laughs> what? Uh, McDonald's restaurant. I, I never heard of it either, but uh, they have over 2,000 locations in this state alone. Must have sprung up overnight. You know the funniest thing, though? It's the little differences. <laughs> Example. Well, at McDonald's, you can buy a Krusty Burger with cheese, right? But they don't call it a Krusty Burger with cheese. Get out. Well, why do they call it? A quarter pounder with cheese. <laughs> quarter pounder with cheese? Well, I can picture the cheese, but uh, <laughs> do they have crusty, partially gelatinated, non-dairy, gum-based beverages? Mm-hmm. They call them shakes. <laughs> shakes. I don't know what you're getting. Well, I know what I'm getting. Some donuts. Uh, help me out of the booth, boys. I think I'm just noticing now the sound of crows in the background. Yeah. It's, it's some nice yeah. texture. Was that, was that on there or was that outside of my window? Oh, that was on the I soundtrack. I thought it was on our window, right, too. Cool. But yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's in the scene. 
Uh, I need to hit the cough button. The, the idea that there's no McDonald's in Springfield at all is pretty funny too, but, which I it's definitely been broken on the show. I mean, within this episode, it, it, it's questionable that that's true. Four thousand. Yeah, locations. because there's uh there's there's two. I mean, there's the Hamburglar coming up later, and then there's a very similar character to the Hamburglar in the Bumblebee Man episode. So. Oh yeah, yeah. The idea of eating a giant pile of fast food and then just being excited for like, I don't know, I'm getting some donuts. It's like you just ate four meals <laughs> yeah. at Krusty Burger. That kind of reminds me of Wiggum at the uh, barbecue and Lisa the Vegetarian. Oh, yes. Yeah, I struggle to <laughs> get up on my own anymore, Homer. <sighs> I haven't had a McDonald's shake in a very long time. Have they improved any? Like they, they were the worst of the shakes uh, that you could get in fast food, I felt. They they partially gelatinated gum based beverages is a perfect descriptor for shakes because it doesn't feel like there's much milk in them though I I wonder if McDonald's had a Domino's style ad campaign of like no the shakes are better now we know they were garbage they're a joke I don't think they did but now like now as a sensible adult the idea of uh, having a milkshake with a meal <laughs> sounds terrifying it's like fourteen hundred calories yeah. on top of your bad meal maybe going in for just a milkshake and be like I got a milkshake today but not like I'm gonna have three cheeseburgers and a large fry and milkshake and like a bucket of nuggets yeah my, i mean as a kid strawberry shakes were my go-to you know they come in the same size glass as a soda and like that is bizarre no i uh actually i just had a shake at uh, the my viewing of infinity war at the almo draft house i had an i am fruit Oh, shake get I it i don't like it get it oh cancel everything sorry I, I i will say as an adult though uh boozy milkshakes are, are a new thing for me and they're mm-hmm. good like, i've had those yeah. at alba draft house and they're fine but that's also i felt so i just went to disneyland for the first time and everybody i'd heard everybody talk up the dole whip get the dole whip which is just it's it's pineapple fro- soft serve like it's and it's fine it's fine but then people told me like well have the have the dole whip float with rum and so i did have it and it was good and all but i was like i mean anything would taste better with a nice rum in it wouldn't it i think so were you in the uh club 33 no i was uh you went to the coffee shop that is across the street from disneyland hotel and just bought it there yeah would that be was that an official dole whip then it was official dole whip it was it was it was called a dole whip this was Disney owned and operated this coffee shop. Got it, got so, it. Yeah. Nice. Parents well, Island. Well, because <laughs> you can't buy a rum-based drink in Disneyland. Still no alcohol in Disneyland. That always struck me. Yeah, that always struck me as weird, you know, growing up being like, that's crazy. There's that one spot. And there's like, well, yeah, clearly if you were into that, you would sneak in any booze you wanted to. And it would not, <laughs> no one would be prevented from doing that. That's true. Yeah, totally. Uh, so so then we go to uh, the next scene, which is written by Rachel Polito, which I believe is her first written thing on the show. Uh, she was one of the uh, few women been on the staff at the time maybe two jennifer crittenden and her yeah who and they're both credited writers on this and rachel polito i believe is of latinx forgive me if i'm saying it the wrong way folks descent and so she put the spanish in the scene intentionally poorly so people would it would be it's transponded of just like well this is english to spanish with no real sense of what spanish spanish language grammar is compared to english and by the way she's married to bill oakley yeah she is also the wife and uh, wife to bill oakley mother of his kids 
it's cute on the things when both of their uh and also uh, i think she's the one who brings it no it's josh who brings his kids onto the commentaries but not that one they're it's really cute they're very small and cute now yes. they're surly teenagers yeah not so cute <laughs> oh but uh but yeah so it turns out the bumblebee man's life is exactly <laughs> the same it's almost it's it's almost like he presents the sketches on his show as real things that happen to him yeah he's, he's not an actor and he's always bumblebee man <laughs> Tiempo para relaxar en paz y quieto. ¡Ay, naranas en la cabeza! ¡Ay, una candelabra precariosa! Yeah, so uh, we see some sketches of things that happened to him, and then his life is just a, 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 a sketch comedy from uh, Mexico, basically. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of the opening scene in uh, Roger Rabbit, and like flying around the kitchen like that. Oh, you're right. Cutting board and stuff, and it's all like very, very understandable if you took uh, the first year of high school Spanish. So yes. kudos to them to make making it comprehensible. That must have been a like a load a load bearing light fixture because it just takes down the entire <laughs> yes. house. It's it's shocking the house hasn't been destroyed before. And that, uh, yeah, that they use Naranja. That was the one I was like, oh, Naranja Capeza. I learned that in uh, first year of high school Spanish. I took French. Yeah. Oh, you you failed, Bob. I you, know. yeah, you and your fancy French. <laughs> uh, and also that Rachel said that she was, as a, a kid, sometimes she would watch the red cricket show that the Bumblebee Man is based upon. Oh, yeah, Chesterito. Not, not happily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed that his wife had uh, divorce papers sort of pre-notarized and ready to go should the moment call for them. She, it's like she was uh, planning on it. Yeah. brings the deed to his house to the blackjack table. It's like, well, you were sort of, you were sort of itching to lose this at this point. You time. feel like her bags have been packed for uh, weeks now. Just staring at them every time he comes home. She's like, is this the day? Is this when it happens? <laughs> Poor Pedro. Uh, and that, uh, also, though, Rachel said on the commentary that the design of the boss is based on the mean boss she had at the job she hated before before working at the simpsons so oh, that's it's, nice it's revenge kind of, yes nice. Uh, yeah. the best revenge is parody on a cartoon and yeah his poor life like it just is he's he's dead like bumblebee man is crushed to death. by his own house uh so then we can do a cut, quick cut to uh driving by is snake and he's changed into his middlebury shirt which he proudly wears which is almost distracting that he is wearing the middlebury shirt for the remainder of the show you're right like, yeah it's a good one-off joke but is it that he's uh I guess it's not not like the UC banana slugs that's in Pulp Fiction that uh, they change into. Oh that's yeah, not, you know, probably I, not what they were going for. Wow, maybe they were. You never I, know. Yeah, I I do like his fancy car. I believe this is the same car that Homer will later buy at, yeah. a, at an auction. Bandit, and I think we saw. I think it was the same car in Bart gets hit by a car, right? Yeah. Oh no, no, sorry, oh. Bart. Uh, separate vocations. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> See you in hell, cop. Uh, uh, they can still hear stuff. <laughs> so then we get. Perfect. A perfect recreation of the scene from the Gold Watch section in Pulp Fiction where Marcellus Wallace Ving Rhames gets run over by Bruce Willis's Butch. And the scene in the movie is so great because it is the what works in the film is that it is a dose of reality to a highly 
tropey section it's just like well it's it is you can't get more tropey and noir than the gangster making a boxer uh, lose a fight but then for no reason for dramatic purposes he just like oh i bumped into you oh crap uh run i'm gonna run you over he just smashes into him and that so the same thing happens to wiggum but wiggum is he's not mad at all he's like hey i know you wham he doesn't get it (laughs) and then marcellus even in the movie is carrying donuts he has the pink box of pastries when he gets hit so i've only seen it once so i'm not picking up on all of these little things well the the little things (laughs) there's there's great little things in the movie too of like when he wakes up uh bruce wells after smashing into marcellus kathy griffin is uh uh, is part of the group of people like saying hey let me help you and and somebody had apparently like a soft drink in their hand and they just pulled the ice out of it and put it on his head to it's just little details like that they're like oh this feels real this i do remember seeing real. kathy griffin and me like what what yes. <laughs> her and um it's pat oh yeah uh, um julius Julia yeah they're both in the film and it's now it gets more distracting every day of like what and i think it, it at least in one of their cases they were dating tarantino at the mm. time and that's why they got wow. cast in it I'm but, so bummed that he doesn't do cameos anymore. Those were just so entertaining. They were so bad. My favorite was in... My favorite is in Django because not only does he insist in being in it and giving himself lines he can't deliver, but he also tells himself, I'm going to do this with an Australian accent. Like, yeah, this, that was wonderful. I, it's so beautiful. You set him up, he knocks him down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, here is the scene. Donuts. I got donuts. I got... Hey, I know you. <laughs> Hey, hey, wait up! We gotta swap insurance info! Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Hold it right there. Looks like the spider got himself a couple of flies. So apparently Herman has served time for his counterfeit jeans uh, operation yeah. at a plumber's car hole. <laughs> and he's back out and restarting his, his business, which it's uh, quite horrifying when you know what the scene is in Pulp Fiction, which and, is a yeah, child. as dark as they come. <laughs> and, yeah, and I didn't know until 2013. <laughs> as a 13-year-old, I did not know this. My, I think my mom, who had seen the film just because she wanted to see... At the time, she was like, I see every film that's uh, nominated for Best Picture. And so she just said, ooh, like she definitely winced at it and implied like, a bad thing happens in in Pulp Fiction <laughs> yes. for this, like, and but they if if the character of Herman didn't exist, they'd have to create him for the scene. But fortunately, like Herman just is the guy in the movie. Like he, it's true. Actually, it kind of reminds me of the uh, the movie that uh, I think we've all seen, but it's not as popular as Pulp Fiction. Falling down, like the creepy yes. like uh, uh, military well, store owner who is secretly a Nazi. Yeah, who if you asked him if you gave him a wink, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I got the Nazi memorabilia." here if you yeah. want it like i'll sell it like i don't Do i don't see the only appearance of a confederate flag on the simpsons i don't know several um, times in his store you okay. the confederate flag is a consistent background in that's his true story. and uh, matt graining wrote johnny reb right yes oh yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> but yeah like so herman it's great that herman exists because you need someone that is sleazier than mo and even sleazier than snake it's herman yeah. there's something more sinister about him than even snake snake is violent and he would he would kill any member of the show but just to get money like it would not he wouldn't plan on killing it or he might even just laugh like well it's funny to hurt you in the moment but there's not a sinister dark plan to him he's he's more reactionary herman 
he's got a dungeon. He's yeah. got these things ready. He's going to lock these people up. They're never going to be seen again. And He knows a guy named Zed. He knows a guy named Zed, just like in the movie, too. I'm really glad they didn't do a gimp joke. That's yes. the one. I'm like, you know what? Don't need to do a gimp joke. Please don't. Like other shows did it. And that's I the first thing every other show did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It would have been I, funny if it was like, uh, you know, you could tell it was sideshow Mel because the leather covered up his hair or something. <laughs> <laughs> you see the bone in his hair. <laughs> that was what uh, when all the 12 year olds uh, had seen the movie and I did. And that was the one thing they took away from it. Mm. Uh, the gimp thing. And they all told yeah, me about it. That's because yeah. it was really weird and disturbing. Yeah. It's quite disturbing. Yeah. yeah it just makes it so much darker when you know the thing. But but I do love I do love that they the connective tissue of this is this scene of the implied like sexual assault that Herman has planned for Wiggum and Snake that then transitions into one of the corniest, silliest scenes in the episode that I just love. It's great, yeah. It is a more more sitcom-y stuff. It's it is Ned and his pastor doing jokes about dog poop. Like that's they they go from that. Uh, this I love Ned's good natured reaction to it too. <laughs> Howdy, Reverend Lovejoy. Nice to see you there on my lawn with your dog. <laughs> oh, 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 bad dog. Look at that. Right on Ned's lawn. Now, how could you do such a thing? Good boy, don't stop now. Bad dog, I condemn you to hell. Uh, better get the old snow shovel back from Homer, huh? Good boy. Don't stop the music. It must be like a huge dump because he needs a snow <laughs> shovel to pick it up. The snow shovel makes you imagine quite quite something. Yeah. Uh, this scene was written by David X, or then S. Cohen, who... It's just the kind of scatological thing you'd imagine from a guy who had just left Beavis and Butthead to work on The Simpsons. <laughs> That's true. Oh, well. yeah. uh, but just, yeah, it's like, better get the old snow shovel from Homer. Like, <laughs> I do, like, I condemn you to hell. <laughs> and just his, like, with, with your dog... Like he's just yeah. so, he's putting so the pieces bad. together. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. want to believe it. Would have been it. unlikely that Ned wouldn't have had one of those weird like uh, lawn statues that like have no poop or a dog pooping, and then they are trying to get you not to poop oh. uh, by putting one of those out there. He's he's live and let live. If your dog yeah. poop there, then I guess that's what God intended to happen. It's all part of his plan. <laughs> uh, and then that goes straight to Ned talking, uh, discovering that Lisa's hair problem and another of my favorites, Bob, you gift this sequence, which is just oh, so yeah. wonderful. Just of like him saying that he would put ice in her hair and that she get it out. And then her going like, I'm okay with that. And then just smash cut to this. <laughs> 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 hmm. I seem to have mashed more hair into it. Oh, well. Ace cubes are useless, man. Chewing gum's got to be chewed out. Does the whole town have to hear about this? Darr, have ye tried a Baltic squid? They can suck the bolts out of a submarine's hull. All right. Fangori will give me 25 bucks for this shot. I can give you the name of a good gum and hair man. <laughs> I have a word of advice. Don't try to dig gum out with a bone. It just makes things worse. <laughs> Leave it in as evidence. Bazooka Joe's got deep pockets. Perhaps I can help. My puppy is foreman of the Dusseldorf Gumworks. <laughs> Even the Capital City goofball is in there. Uh, but I, I love how Ned's advice makes no sense. He says when he gets uh, gum in the old push broom, he freezes it with a, and hits it with a hammer. Is he hitting himself in the face with a hammer? <laughs> I never thought of that. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. 
tendencies. But uh, <laughs> the, that that shot is so painful of Lisa just like uh, on the table, Marge holding her down and Ned just hammering her hair. Yes. And then he, him just saying, oh, well, like I yeah, hammered more gum into it. Oh, well. They seem to, seem to have jammed more gum into the hair. Uh, I like how this scene gets ahead of the uh, very common criticism of uh, more modern Simpsons is that, you know, characters are just sort of there whenever they need to be. Like Homer will walk outside of Moe's and like Martin will be standing there for some reason. Yeah. And this just like really, really wears that on its sleeve that Willie is just looking in their window. Seemingly um, everyone was waiting in the living room to come in one at a time. And this fits in everybody who didn't get a scene except for Kent Brockman. It would have been a nice Kent Brockman scene uh, in here. But, but yeah, Handsome but, Pete is there. He what, Didn't he debut like two episodes before this? Five episodes oh, before wow, yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and one important thing though, uh, Uder is alive. Uder did not die. He was supposed to die in the PTA disbands. He was last seen getting beaten by Civil War reenactors (laughs) and and just saying like, well, uh, they they come back with fewer kids every time, but permission slips, let them get away with it. And uh, as I would find out, Fangoria went out of print October 2015, but there's a new owner and they hope to get it back in print with quarterly publication October 2018. But I think print magazines are just like, it's it's like artisanal bread or something it's just like well i want this because i remember it this is not where the direction went yeah i i i mean i miss having a magazine in my hand on the uh is and flipping through it when the new one came in every month but that's just not reality anymore yeah, i mean i'm so poisoned by the internet that i'll be like oh a magazine i'll buy a magazine and then i just don't read it <laughs> <laughs> you did your duty of buying a magazine but uh, it it felt special for me in 2009 i got my first thing published in a video game magazine and that felt really special to me and i was like well i'm gonna keep this magazine forever it's my byline in a magazine and yeah, that got thrown out of my last move. I was like, eh. I got an article into Electronic Gaming Monthly in its last issue. You <laughs> its last it. issue under Ziff Davis. It's real last yeah. issue. No offense to folks working on it now, but uh, we take a quick commercial break. Then we get into another. This is another long one, but I love every second of this. Some folk will never ease gun, but then again, some folk will like Cletus, the slack jawed yokel. Hey, what's going on on this side? <laughs> hey, Brandine, you might could wear these to your job interview. And scuff up the topless dancing runway? Nah, you best bring them back where from you got them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Back you go. To waits for a woman of less discriminating taste. Well, folk will never lose a dough and then again some vocal like Cletus the slack-jawed yokel. Hey, you know what? I could call my ma while I'm up here. <laughs> hey, ma! Get off the dang roof! Hank Azaria is so great. I, I love how they just basically wrote a hee-haw sketch. Yep. That's just, this right. is just a hee-haw sketch. I, I, the whole uh, backstory of what she's doing on the roof, I would watch an episode about. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> and just the very well-observed uh, hillbilly uh, dialect. You might could wear these. You might could wear- yeah. I also just love it says, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jesse walks by. Okay. And then he's just like, he's just sitting on the telephone pole as his theme song is playing, just like kind of like looking around. Yeah, that's... It. I'm thinking of how they cut stuff for this episode and what they they could have cut from what's in there to get in other scenes. But playing his theme song twice almost seems indulgent, but the second time is better because he's yeah. just... Empty is empty staring while he waits for his theme song to end is great. <laughs> I do like what's going on on this side. <laughs> what's going on on this side? And the uh, 
also this is officially so in the case of snake and cletus that's not how they were known internally to the writers for years until they were named on the show in scripts snake was called jailbird yeah and cletus was always slack-jawed yokel so he only became cletus in the third episode of season three season seven uh, home sweet home diddly dum dum doodly. That's it. And then uh, Snake I was named Cletus. Snake. Oh, was it when he's uh, Homer says, "I love you, Cletus"? Was that the first time? Yep. Ever yeah, been? yeah. And Snake became Snake uh, when Sideshow Bob was like, "I'll miss you most of all, Snake." Bob. <laughs> yeah. <God. laughs> so they, were both, they were both tender moments when these people finally got some humanity and a name associated with. Them. That's true. I think there were some like stalwarts on the writing staff that didn't want him to be called Snake. Yeah. So he became like Snake Jailbird later in life. Uh, in the late teens of seasons, they officially had him name himself snake t jailbird or something <laughs> like that so uh but this they did it a little faster with this of they he'd because he'd only been in his first cletus's first appearance which was bart's El, barkett's nelfin uh lisa saying like like some slack-jawed yokel and then they cut to cletus yeah. look at the born a haired little girl i could just see slack-jawed yokel in the script following yep, her line perfect. <laughs> and, and azaria is so good as him and i uh, yeah it is the hee-haw design is beautiful on this and the and the banjo pluck in it's great it's, it's yeah it's also a redo of their joke from a few episodes earlier in scenes from the class struggle of springfield of just uh hey you can wear this to your job like i gotta wear the shirt what dairy queen gimme he's always looking out for brandine <laughs> and nice. if you want to hear more about hee-haw and you probably oh, don't uh, go back to oh, our boy. colonel homer episode where we talk in great detail about hee-haw because there's an extended <laughs> hee-haw parody in that 1996 is probably the last time you can make a hee-haw parody uh family guy did it like eight years oh, later geez, you're right. talk about a show that people were like that is still on like that one ran forever yeah it's true it, it, I, actually horse apples is my favorite hee-haw parody that's right but it's, it's like so bizarre and meta that it's acceptable yes. i remember being like in a dentist's office and the tv was on and there was just old this old guy selling stuff. like remember when comedy was good and wholesome <laughs> here's all of hee-haw on 3000 dvds yeah i love those i miss those commercials of just like don't you want your stone all of laughing well for eight hundred dollars no thanks <laughs> So then we head to comic book guy, which I'm glad he got a scene in this. Uh, I know this, not the pain of needing to use the bathroom, but of going to a comic shop and going like, what can I get for a dollar? Which, and the answer is nothing. Or educational Spider-Man comics, which no one wants. But uh, this was the first time it hit me that comic book guy's ordering more than one pizza for himself. C can I use your bathroom? No, you may not. The bathroom is for paying customers only. If you purchase an item, you may use the bathroom. Uh, okay, um... How about that? That is a rare photo of Sean Connery signed by Roger Moore. It is worth $150. What can I get for 75 cents? Uh, you may purchase this charming Hamburglar adventure. A child has already solved the jumble using crayons. The answer is fries. Uh, Millhouse, what's going on? You said you just needed to use the bathroom. Now I find you buying comics? Oh, our transaction is completed. You may take the boy. Ah. Way! <laughs> the answer is fries. Uh, so one thing I noticed that will solve a, a mystery from the uh, the Chanel dress episode is that the way comic book guy is holding the comic, his hand is awkwardly over the rest of Burglar. It just says ham. So my theory is they can say trademark things, but they can't show them like in text. If you draw it completely, then it breaks a rule. Like yeah. Yeah, or it, it maybe it, they're like, well, if you do it in animation, it's going to be way harder to change if we're told we have to change it. So yeah. perhaps they're being safe 
of just like, well, we can't change it later, so why why risk it? Because they, they say Chanel like 30 times in the episode, but we see like Sha in one scene and Nell in a later yes, scene, but we yes. never see it together. It's a weird, very weird legal thing they're doing. But he was being chased by Officer Big Mac, you know, the uh, the distant <laughs> relative of Mayor McCheese. That's so true. So mistaking it from a it was, legal standpoint. It was kind of a skinnier Hamburglar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a little off model. I, I love the little point that he does when he says, fries yeah. like the, the point on fries and it's in this weird inflection like no you may not use the bathroom yeah <laughs> and also the his the malevolence he takes in like oh he got 75 cents from millhouse and yeah. while he could let millhouse use the bathroom he's just like no no our transaction is done you may take the boy like, <laughs> he's that's a monster yeah, it's and pretty I, horrible i we've seen kirk van houten before but i think they're really figuring out how funny kirk is, especially like everything he says begins with oh yes it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so great i love doing it this episode, I think, is when they discovered, like, we're going to do a Kirk-focused episode yeah. next season. Like, this is happening. Yeah, his entrance on uh, Millhouse, like, <laughs> so good. A comic book guy is 75 cents richer, which in the comic book world uh, of owning a shop, like, that's a lot of money. Things are getting pretty dark over at Herman's. Uh, and and the only thing that lightens it is the appearance of, like, the nerds of Kirk and Millhouse. Yeah. As soon as Zed gets here, the party will begin. There he is now. Who are you? Uh, can my son use your bathroom? <laughs> you gotta say yes! Okay, but be quick. Get in back. <laughs> uh, so, uh, <laughs> n- nice store. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, this used to be a pet store. <laughs> yeah. Right over there against that wall, it was the cutest little... Get in the corner. Hey, Dad, can we get this, please? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, mister. I also think Hank Azaria is figuring out how funny he is to go, oh, before yeah. every line. It's, yeah. it's so great. It's, it's such a nervous, like, hesitant nerd. <laughs> Millhouse coming in might even just be like, that's Matt Groening or their better angels of like, we need to end this scene now and also smash him in the face. Like, yeah. just be like, J- justice reigns. This Nothing horrible is going to happen to our characters. We we walked up to the line, but now he's been smashed in the face. Hopefully he's fine. dead. Yeah. You hope Herman is dead. We've gone too far. <laughs> the party is going to get started when Zed's there. I, I think, honestly, this could be the only threat of sexual assault on The Simpsons thankfully i think so yes and it's a reference so it's not like they're just doing it straight that's always how they sneak in like i i've said this before about rain man jokes like you yeah. can't you can't directly make fun of an autistic person that's just bullying but if there's a movie about a person it's with dirty, autism yeah. and you got it fair like, game uh, same with like oh i want to make a transphobic joke well fortunately a film called the crying game came out so we can just reference the crying <laughs> game it's it's nice and easy that way but yeah the kirk kirk is talking about the 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 old pet store really lightens the mood in that yeah. when when apparently he's about to be murdered and have horrible <laughs> things happen to him as well it would, would have been nice to see their discussion with luann when they got back about what they had done that oh, day that yes. a pretty uh, good stammery kirk moment as well uh, we're not talking about this uh, our lives are changed forever now <laughs> yeah i mean this could have 
uh, exacerbated the unhappiness in his marriage that he's seen the darkness that, of humanity and he's just like what even is this what is this sham this, of a marriage could have been a catalyst you never know <laughs> he saw the darkness uh, of humanity people just let wiggum hop away with a ball gag in his mouth <laughs> never to be seen again uh so then again we go from that to the lightness of a little girl getting a haircut. Which and the uh, barber is way from the Tracy Allman shorts. It is Jake the Barber. That's his uh, official name. Oh, wow. he, he he had appeared in the shorts in Bart Gets a Haircut, or Bart's Haircut, and he is voiced the same as he was then, and that's also why he is grandfathered in on the beard line as well. Yeah, and uh, he is an impression. He's Dan Castellano doing an impression of Floyd the Barber from Andy Griffith. Uh, the famous Freakazoid opening, Floyd the Barber cuts his hair, Freakazoid, Freakazoid. <laughs> Want me to cut off the gum or just style it? Cut it off, but be careful. Don't worry, sweetheart. I know how important hair is to a little girl. You keep squirming, there's going to be a little bald girl with no lollipop. I love it. I finally look like a real person. <laughs> Thanks. The one disturbing thing is they have to convey like a bald patch on Lisa's head, so underneath her hair is just like Caucasian pink skin. It's very odd. Yeah, it's it is a bit distracting. Yeah, it's when they when they show them as real. When was that one where they show them as very realistic Caucasian people? It's that type of skin underneath. That's when Homer imagines if Marge and him were married, were brother and sister, yeah. and then creating oh, inbred children. It's it's it is. Yeah, that that's same. interesting about Floyd the Barber. I just thought he was a for some reason a, an elderly like upstate Maine guy. You know, saying. And you can't get them from here. <laughs> I I also they have to com- they they have to communicate it. I think it maybe would have looked weirder if you just saw stubble among Lisa's yeah. drawn on hairline. It's it was a choice they had to make. Yeah, it's I mean it's an interesting thing they had to explore. Just like her hairline doesn't make sense and when they had to make 3d toys of her it is just like it's it's a pine cone is, is what her head is it's, it's, it's freakish yeah it's like a hedgehog and she's finally she finally does look like a normal person with hair that way and i'm glad they ended with a extended ha ha in this episode like first off that nelson just hangs around to ha ha at anything he sees. That's like great. it's a, a real window into his sad life. Just like, well, what can I laugh at today? Yep. Just make somebody feel bad. Like poor Lisa, she's so proud of her haircut, and then just one ha ha just ruins it. It's like, oh, I've I've been there of like wearing what I think is a cool shirt, and one person makes fun of it, and I'm like, well, I I guess I'm a pariah. Like <laughs> I'm a leper. I will never wear this shirt again. I'll burn it. When I get home. Uh, and then Mrs. Glick, who's really getting to work out of these season, this season of like, anytime an old lady has a horrible thing happen, it's often her. And he laughs at her. But then he goes a bridge too far, laughing at uh, a very tall man yes. in a very small car. I love this guy. Do you find something comical about my appearance when I'm driving my automobile? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone needs to drive a vehicle, even the very tall. This was the largest auto that I could afford. Should I, therefore, be made the subject of fun? I guess so. (laughs) Would you like it if I laughed at your misfortune? Huh? Maybe we should find out. Now, march. Hey, everybody, look at this. 
It's that boy who laughs at everyone. Let's laugh at him. <laughs> Wave to the people. Blow them kisses. I, yeah, I love Very Tall Man, and I like how the town is completely on board with this. They've been waiting for Nelson to get his comeuppance. Finally, he's humiliated. Blowing them kisses is such a nice time yeah. to do the guys. Blow Again, them kisses! He sounds like uh, like Art Carney on Valium or something. <laughs> Should I therefore be made? Yeah, I love the way this guy talks. They, they and... call it a tippy turtle voice on the uh, commentary. Okay, I don't know. what That's probably from some old cartoon. Yeah, right? yeah. But um, he's. Based... I assumed he was based on uh, the Guinness Book of World Records tallest man. Oh, he Robert does. Wadlow. He does look just like him, actually. Like, yeah. Yeah. do you yeah. remember that? Like he, him, the guy with the long fingernails. The fat twins, those are the guys I remember from all the Guinness their, Book. All their superstars. Or from Ripley's yes. Believe It or Not Museums, which... Yes. Uh, but I looked him up. He was 8 foot 11. Wow. 490 pounds, and he died at 22, and he Oof. just never stopped growing. He was still growing when he died. He's still growing now. 8 <laughs> 11. Insane. Yeah. That is obscene. Like, that's... Yeah. People can get fatter every year. Like, they, they, they get... And Guinness stopped, you know giving awards for overweightness huh. but wow they were encouraging people i think the wrong way but a uh, very tall man his official name is based off of uh, ian maxstone graham a six foot eight simpsons writer who oh, had well. just joined the writing staff i don't believe he talks like this but the idea of a freakishly tall man uh put that he put that in their head yes yeah he's uh ian maxstone graham comes from saturday night live he is a very like urbane writer who came to be one of the most hated writers in the Simpsons fan community, I believe. How come? Um, well, one of his things was in one interview once, he's like, I didn't really watch the show before I started here. I don't care about the history. He was. He seemed to be purposefully antagonistic to the internet fans as well, yeah. which is... Uh, kind so of he's the opposite of how everyone who gets cast in a superhero movie now like pretends like they've exactly read the comic. Oh, I grew up reading the these source comics. material. <laughs> I love Aquaman. I'm Aquaman, right? Yes. Okay. I I'm love a, him. I'm a fan just like you guys. Oh, no, I read all the books. Like I have deep respect for the source material. <laughs> Spider-Man means so much to me Andrew, as Andrew Garfield. I just love yes. him so much. But uh, but Max Graham did the opposite. And also, obviously everybody writes a Simpsons episode like it, the being credited writer doesn't exactly mean you're the writer of it but one of his written episodes was the one where Maud is killed yes. which is such a hated episode mm-hmm. and his name's on it he didn't have a writing credit on the show at this point he didn't get one until next season's Burns Baby Burns which it, it really fits for him as a kind of a defeat college type dude. He <laughs> is true. A, a college boy, huh? But uh, I like how naturalistically he explains how, like, look, I have a tiny car, but it's all I could afford. Yeah. Give, me, right. give me a break. And <laughs> Nelson uh, not getting it. He's still, like, being uh, truthful, like, uh, should I be made the subject of fun? I guess so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also, you notice in the background, I only noticed Matt Groening as a kid watching it, but Oakley and Weinstein are there, too, in the crowd laughing at him. I believe that's because the uh, the stage direction for that scene is all the biggest idiots in Springfield are laughing at Nelson. <laughs> so they drew in, like, Oakley, Weinstein, and Groening. I just noticed Disco Stew, who also was a relatively new 
Yeah. Character. I'm surprised he didn't get his own little story in this, but I guess he was too new. Yeah, they. I, I think uh, he didn't catch on as quickly with the writers as Handsome Pete did. The second they were like, well, we got to shove somebody in here. Got to get Handsome Pete in again. Everybody loves him. He'll be dancing for hours. And I love that the Nelson scene ends with him saying, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and then back to Bart and Milhouse uh, with to, the mustard and ketchup. To wrap everything up. Well, Millhouse, I guess interesting stuff does happen to people in Springfield. Yep, everybody in town's got their story to tell. There's just not enough time to hear them all. <laughs> oh, sorry I'm late. There was trouble at the lab with the running and the exploding and the crying. One of the monkeys stole the glasses <laughs> off my head. <laughs> well, oh, no, wait, please, no, please, I have a funny story. If you listen, I even wrote theme music. There, listen. <clears throat> hey. Hey, Professor Frank, Professor Frank will make you laugh, will make you think he likes to run, and then the thing with the <clears throat> person. Ah, oh, boy, that monkey is going to pay. <laughs> there are so many stories that one is going on over the credits in this episode. Yeah, I just, I kind of wish it went all the way to the Gracie Films logo, but unfortunately for the extended full-length credits, they they have to pipe back in the music because his story ends but i just love how he's talking it up of like oh if you just seen it this monkey took the glasses right off my face it's so funny and there were explosions uh yeah this was such this episode was before any of these characters you know they still uh, an appearance of dr frank or you know disco stew it was like they were treats because they hadn't really been shown up they weren't uh as cliches as they sort of became so it was, yeah. it was neat to get more glimpses at them i mean it was uh, it was odd but cool to see like in season seven troy mcclure gets an episode but that was a very rare thing to happen like a, a b-level character getting an entire episode about them and this kind of episode was for fans like myself who collected all the Simpsons trading cards. Oh, and yeah. was like, oh, I know every character in this, but I bet the regular viewers don't know this. And so <laughs> they, they name all of them. They're like, well, to get all these things, like you got to know who Professor Freak is. Yeah. You got to know Apu. You got to know all this stuff. I think also around this time, like 95, 96, that, that first big poster came out with like all the characters yeah. on it that had appeared at that point. Like, I know every one of those because I have no life. <laughs> but I was I was thinking about this. We go back to Bart and Milhouse, and notably in this episode, Homer gets very little to do, and so does Bart. I think that's intentional because they are sort of the stars of the show. So mm -hmm. I think intentionally, like, especially, ba especially Bart, but they, they really gave Bart nothing fun to do. He just sort of like... In the beginning, he buys gum, and then you see him at the end, and that's basically it. I didn't realize that he buys gum at, at the Quickie yeah. Mart, which he then puts in Lisa's hair. I didn't get... I, yeah, because the gum had a very, like, unfunny, not very clever thing on the printed on it, which is like gum juice yeah. today or yeah. something. Yeah, just like... like spotlighted that, too. Yeah, that was boring, that gum. I was like, couldn't you guys think of a something to put on this? Of like, yeah. gum, chew it with your mouth. I don't know. I, like, I guess it's hard to write a gum jokes. There are so many jokes in this episode, though, but this is fantastic. It, it just I love how it breaks format, but it's still a Simpsons episode, and it just shows um, what you can do with The Simpsons, and I think this gave future showrunners a lot of different ideas. I think uh, Trilogy of Error would be the next one that would really play with the format. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I've seen that one. I think that's the one that's a. Uh, it's Run Lola Run. Yeah, but it's, it's like. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Is it everyone's day? Is a different act? Yeah, so Homer blows off his thumb. Lisa has her uh, show and tell thing. Linguo. Linguo. 
and Bart and Milhouse find counterfeit things, and it's you just see it from different angles and three different yeah, sketches. It was, it was creative. It has the Milhouse line. This is where I come to cry. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's a good episode. Yeah. I, people call those like the start of the bad season, but that's a good episode in the weaker seasons, if as folks would call it. And uh, yeah, I love this one too. I think it's it's so creative. It gave them permission to do weirder stuff. It gave other shows on network television permission to do weirder stuff too i know for example david cohen directly cites this episode as the inspiration for the 300 big ones episode of futurama which is about uh random adventures that all the characters have when they're handed 300 dollars in a tax rebate any final thoughts on this one, Connor? Yeah, I just appreciate it. You know, they, they did do something different, but it wasn't, you know, they weren't trying to be super gimmicky about it. It wasn't like a Seinfeld backwards episode. It was just like, hey, we're good at telling stories and we have interesting characters and people. So let's uh, just take a, a glimpse into their worlds. And it worked really well. So we're going to do our plugs once we get off the uh, the line with you, Connor. But is there anything you want to plug? I just realized that we were talking a lot about Ready Player One. Oh, we, did yes. not, we did not say a damn word about your podcast. So right. please talk yeah. about that. It's great. Well, yeah. So me and uh, Mike Nelson from Rift Tracks and Mystery Science Theater did a deep dive into the world of Ready Player One and then Armada um, on our podcast 372 pages will never get back so if you want to check those out we had a lot of fun talking about that and we just talked about the movie um, so you're welcome to listen to that I have written a couple novels so I would love Ooh. it if you would check those out oh, yeah. uh, most recent one is called The Pole Vault Championship of the Entire Universe it is a fun uh, comedy sci-fi thing that I had to make great efforts to make sure that I wasn't ripping off things that were from the Simpsons in the back corners of my mind. <laughs> and uh, you check us out on Rift Tracks. We do stuff not every week, but we release titles very regularly. We just did one. Uh, we'll have by this by the time this is out, we'll have the the last Jedi Rift Tracks out. Bob, there was a oh, line nice. someone compared Ep- uh, Emperor Snoke's. Uh, costume to a designed by Bob Mackie. Oh, <laughs> I'll take that as a personal. <laughs> that's a personal shout out to me, I think. Yes. Uh, oh, I, uh, and we have lots of uh, old B movies up all the time, and our um, uh, Space Mutiny live show will be in June. So check oh, that out. I'll I be there. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I I kickstarted that. And, oh, nice. Thank uh, you so yeah, much. It was I? I'll be. I think I had upgrade. I didn't do it at first, but when the upgrades came in, I upgraded to the DVD. I was like, I, I even like for the reunion show, I got the Blu-ray as part of kickstarting. Even though I'm like, well, I'm just gonna watch the streaming. But isn't it nice right. to just have it on a shelf? I just like seeing it yeah. on the shelf. And what I like about when they they do again the things they've done in Mystery Science Theater, they don't have to write all new jokes, but they're all new, and it just shows you like, wow, there are so many opportunities for jokes in all of these movies. They can come up with different ones for every riff. It's so it's so impressive. Yeah, it's that's a fun aspect of it because most times I haven't seen these before we do them, so we'll go through, and then usually as we're flying to the Nashville to do the live shows, I'll watch it on a plane and be like, all right, well, we did make the same joke, same type of joke. Let's just do it to uh, do our due diligence and not trade on the same ground. Just to yeah, it's a challenge. It's fun. And I think there are a few movies that have been done by Cinematic Titanic, MST3K, and Riff Tracks. Uh, Santa Claus. Con- Conquers the Martians is one of them. And I, I watch all three versions every year and every joke is different between all three versions. But I have to say, Connor, before we let you go, your your podcast about Ready Player One has almost ended friendships in my life because my relationship with Ready Player One is I was in the games press at the time. It came mm-hmm. out and everyone told me to read it. So, of course, I didn't. And then I forgot about it forever and everyone read it. Then the movie started happening, and I listened to your podcast because I, I remember Ernest Klein not being very good, and mm-hmm. I, I was just sitting in horror, listening <laughs> to you describe the podcast. My favorite part 
of the podcast. It's, it starts off with Mike Nelson, the good-natured Mike Nelson, p- playfully chuckling at lines of dialogue. By episode three, he is exclaiming, son of a bitch, after, <laughs> after the same kinds of dialogue. But now when I meet people and we talk about the movie and we just, it just comes up a conversation like, oh, yeah, I like the book. I'm like, how? How could you like the book? I, I don't even understand you. So It's but, truly baffling. Yeah. I don't I. I don't understand it either, and it's 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 like trying to understand someone who's telling you that um, the sun is green. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have forgiven them, but I do look down upon them. I I love the fanfic or real test that because they're both one. I was sure was like no, this can't be in the book. This is too bad. Where use the it, use the word whilst whilst he oh. did this i was like no he wouldn't use that word no and he did yeah. klein yeah. picked up his quill pen for that one and uh, <laughs> had a snifter of brandy to, to uh, that out. and also when also with mike nelson in one of them he exclaims like you guys are listing all the things that they could be looking at he's like and on his shelf were oh what could they be and then mike nelson <laughs> finally just screams it's video games of course it's video games <laughs> yes everyone out there please listen to 372 pages we'll never get back it's fantastic uh uh, give all of your money to Rift Tracks. I do it, and I, I recommend it. And thank you so much, Connor. You've been great, and uh, I love all of your stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. I really uh, enjoyed listening to you guys talk about The Simpsons, too. It's a great way to revisit these without you know sitting down and watching it myself, and I learn a ton every time I listen to one. Oh, awesome. Thank you. So thanks again to Connor. Again, like I love Rift Tracks so much. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not uh, like it's I, I hold it in my heart on the same level as MST3K, and please check out their movies and stuff, and their live shows. They do a great job. They usually live stream to uh, your theaters with by uh, Fathom Events. So check those out. But there are tons of. If I were to suggest one for viewers to watch, if you've never seen Samurai Cop, their riff on Samurai Cop is my favorite. I've I've seen many people make fun of the film Samurai Cop, but Riff Tracks is the best. I'd say. Yeah, all of my recommendations are the most excruciating movies. So you might have to be like a high level Misty to enjoy them, like Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny, uh, or like Jack uh, How to Set Up a Room. Oh yeah, that's a great. Okay, anyone can enjoy How to Set Up a Room. Yes. Uh, that's the short. Pay a dollar for it and watch it. It's great. But as for us. Uh, we've been talking Simpsons. I got to tell all you guys about our amazing Patreon. Uh, as of this week, uh, all of our $5 level patrons have gotten a new exclusive piece of content every day this week. That is not every week. I'm just telling you that to let you know uh, how much stuff we're making just for patrons. But yes, if you join at the $5 level, if you go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, here's what you'll get. You'll get every episode of Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon a week ahead of time and ad-free. You'll also get the entire season one of Talking Simpsons. You'll get all of Talking Critic. That's 23 episodes of Talking Critic. You'll get all of Talking Futurama. That's our that's our take on the first season of Futurama. And a lot more. I'll have Henry tell you about everything I missed because there's too much for one. We've de- I've decided personally there's too much to talk about on this Patreon just for one person to talk about. Well, back in our backlogs for $5 a month, you also get access to every episode of Talking Critic where we go through the critic in the same style our season wrap-ups where we go through the major events in the news and deleted scenes and commercials that happened during that particular year of the simpsons from seasons two three four five six and soon seven as well as our deleted scene commentaries which we did for both seasons five and six audio versions only for five dollars and if you go up to the ten dollar premium level you can watch the video versions as well as other premium videos such as bob and me further completing our uh, Simpsons retrospective by watching the shorts. We go through the all of the Tracy Ullman shorts and have a lot of fun. And yes, our most recent interview, David Silverman, oh, so tons good. of fun. Like he was great. He is a Simpsons legend, like B- the capital L legend, I would say. Yeah, fantastic interview. And again, that funds everything we do. It funds our our uh, luxurious lifestyles. Uh, sorry, <laughs> our 
our very our very uh, nice and comfortable lifestyle. So please uh, check out the Patreon if you haven't. We've added new goals. We've been hitting like new personal goals all the time. We're very happy with it, and we can't wait to make more stuff. So yes, that's patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And as for me, I've been your host, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. That is a classic gaming podcast. We've been going on for almost 12 years. Go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast device, app, or machine. You will find it. Uh, find a topic that interests you. Download that episode i think you'll like it if not try another one that's my that's my <laughs> advice uh henry how about you and i'm h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g on twitter if you have any questions about talking simpsons or alerts you want to let me know about or you want to know when news is happening about the show it's all right there along with uh, too many other tweets for me too but <laughs> uh we have fun there so follow me h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week for Raging Abe Simpson and his grumbling grandson in The Curse of the Flying Hellfish. Yes, I said the entire title. We'll see you then. Aurora Borealis? Uh, Aurora Borealis!